0: Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 40 of the 2020 podcast series, and the second half of the post-draft edition. Last episode, we actually started taking a look at each of the team's draft picks. We started alphabetically from Arizona through Indianapolis. We're going to pick up where we left off, take a look at Jacksonville, make our way all the way through Washington. We'll also take a look at some of the undrafted free agents, see where some of those guys, the top at each position where they wound up and who might actually have a chance to make some rosters and potentially even make an impact. So we've got a lot to cover in just a short period of time. We're going to go ahead and jump right into things and take a look at Jacksonville first and foremost. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, sitting there at number 9, I was anticipating seeing them taking a defensive tackle. Why? Well, you know, Marcel Darius was a, a cap casualty, so you're sitting there with, with Haven Brian at one D tackle position. You've got Avery Jones. You did sign uh, Rodney Gunter from Arizona, but really, not a whole lot of uh, attention was addressed to the interior of that that defensive line. I thought that was a big concern, more more than anything else. You know, when I look at that team and I look at what they're what they're going to be wanting to do, you know, ha- you know, losing a guy like Marcel Darius. I figured if if Derek Brown were there on the roster or were there on the board at number nine, he had to be the pick. But you take him out of the equation because he goes to the Panthers at number seven, where do they go? Do you go ahead and take Javon Kinlaw there at nine or do you look at another position? And so I think... You know, I, I was anticipating the, the Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons to build a defense around the linebacker position, and instead they decided to go ahead and, and take the defensive tackle. And you really see what Matt Rule was trying to do up front defensively. So I I think if if it's Jacksonville, you know they're looking to not necessarily trade back uh, or anything like that. With Javon Kinlaw, probably thought maybe you know the top ten might have been a little bit too much for for Javon Kinlaw. Although I thought he was a top ten talent. What they are able to do, though, is target that that cornerback position. Look, Jalen Ramsey, an all pro, Pro Bowl caliber corner. And essentially, you know, you traded him to the Rams, and yes, you get a first round pick out of it. But uh, you know you haven't been able to really replace him on the roster. You did bring in Rashawn Melvin. Uh, you've got Trey Herndon on the roster. Perry Nickerson, uh, DJ Hayden, all, all there on the roster at the cornerback position. All of those guys are going to be free agents at the end of the season. And you still haven't brought in a guy that that has that lockdown capability like Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey. So you bring in CJ Henderson, a guy who you know was giving up a, a reception every 19 pass attempts uh, in, in 2018. A guy who is you have proven to be the number two corner. Some people say he's number one. I won't know that. I would necessarily go that far. I think Jeffrey Okuda, the ball skills a little bit better than than, than C.J. Henderson. But what you do have is a bona fide number two corner in this draft. Ran a four three nine forty, a guy who you know blanket coverage there out there on the outside. You know you get your lockdown corner. You're addressing that position. I thought that that was a great pick uh, there at at number nine. And then you know you transition. You know sitting there at uh, at number twenty. This is the pick that they got from the Rams in that Jalen uh, Ramsey trade. And, uh, you know, I I, I wasn't expecting Von Chason to actually be on the board there at, at number 20. 6'3", 254, the outside linebacker out of LSU. Dynamic pass rusher, very athletic. I actually had him coming off the board, number uh, 17 overall to the Cowboys. You know, and what, what you have here, if Chason... Is is, he could potentially play that defensive end position? I think he's a little light to be able to do that. You know, and really traditionally, you're looking at him being an outside linebacker in a 34 defense. Bringing him to a a four three, you've got Josh Allen at one defensive end position, Yannick Ngakwe at the other, Uh, and so I think if you keep him there out, you know, on the roster. Uh, at the linebacker position, you've got Miles Jack at, at weak side. Caleb uh, on Chason can end up being the strong side backer, along with Joe Schobert, who's the middle linebacker. And you've got really a formidable front front seven. The biggest glaring need still is at that defensive tackle position. Uh, you know, Taven Bryan hasn't lived up to that first round billing to this point. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure there. Um, but getting Caleb you know, Caleb on Teaming him with with Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe, look Ngakwe, his days in a Jacksonville Jaguar uniform may be numbered. He's a franchise player. We could still potentially see him get traded, uh, but you know more so really expecting to see that around the uh, around the draft. The fact that he hasn't been traded yet, you know, he'll probably play out. Uh, this season there in a Jacksonville Jaguar uniform, but you needed to eventually find his replacement. And I think that's what ultimately Jacksonville is doing here. So, you know, when I look at my draft board and really what I had Jacksonville uh, doing here at, uh, at number 20, I actually had them taking a receiver. For a while I had them taking a corner. I thought, you know what, you can get Christian Fulton in round number two. I uh, thought that that would be a, a nice pick there at the cornerback position. And, uh, you know, getting a pass rusher, I figure they'd probably wait until about the fifth round, considering they have Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe. But uh, having Chason kind of fall into their laps, not really expecting him to be there on the board at number 20. You know, it, in some cases, you take the best player available. In this case, you know, I think it was Caleb on Chason. So what do they do in round two? They get that receiver. And that's LaVisca Chenault, you know, the 10th pick in round number two. Uh, 6'1", 227 pounds out of Colorado. And what you're getting here, when you look at at the Jaguars and their receiving core, you, know, you have D.D. Westbrook, who's pretty good in the slot. and You've got D.J. Chark, who's a 1,000-yard receiver from a season ago. Chris Conley's a nice role player. Um, you know, Mar- uh, Marquise Lee was uh, was like go. Um, so really... You know, at that point, you needed to get another playmaker in there. And LaVisca Chenault, look, that what he brings to the table is, is some versatility to your offense. You can really, you know, line him up in the backfield, line up all over the field for that matter. You know, the biggest thing with, for me with Chenault is staying healthy. Can he stay healthy? You know, he, he battled injuries in, in 2018, I'm sorry, in 2019, uh, 2018 and 2019. And really, you know, 2019 having a, a core injury that ultimately you know, kind of, he was still feeling the effects of it there at the combine. Ran a four five eight forty, uh, somewhat disappointing, and, and I think his draft stock has has continued to kind of plummet. But you know, put on the game against USC, USC against Colorado. It was Michael Pittman Jr. versus Laviska Shenault, and the two of those guys really just going, you know, trading blow for blow. Um, it was really a lot of fun to watch. You know, Trojans and and, and Buffaloes there, and uh, you know, he's a playmaker. When he's on the field, and when you can keep him out there on the field, you know, really a tough guy. Tried to play through a lot of the injuries, and uh, you know, it ultimately ended up you know getting the better of him. And I think that's where some of his some of his numbers and some of his pr- productivity suffered because this was the guy that wasn't playing, you know, wasn't waiting until he was hundred percent to play. He was playing hurt. And and you, you can kind of see that out there on the field. So uh the Jaguars getting him in round number two. I thought that was great value. Uh, round three, they finally do address the defensive tackle position. They, they get Devon Hamilton, uh 6'4, 320 pounds out of Ohio State. Um, and this was a guy, look, you know, he was overshadowed by a lot of defensive linemen there at Ohio State. And um, you know, what I can say about Devon Hamilton is a guy who can he, he can push the you know, the pocket from from within. He's very stout against the run, a guy that can play that nose tackle position, and uh, you know, a guy that just makes some plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he was really an unheralded guy, you know, really a blue collar type, and uh, you know, I think Jacksonville. Did a nice job there in round number three. Now moving on to day three, you knew that at some point they're going to be addressing that that, that uh, offensive line. And, and Ben Barch out of uh, Little Saint John's uh, College there in in Minnesota. This is a guy who has some versatility; he can play both the tackle and guard position. Uh, you have Jawan Taylor, uh, who you picked up in last year's draft. Cam Robinson at left tackle, battling some injuries. You know. Maybe he's better suited at the guard position. Andrew Norwell signed the biggest contract for an offensive guard. AJ can. There's still debate as to whether or not this is a guy that really should, you know, belongs on the roster. You know, is he going to be a guy that they're going to be letting go? Um, Ben Barts can come in there and provide some, some versatility. And, and you know, he's 6'6, so he had, you know, he has the length, 309 pounds, held his own in, in the senior bowl, and Depending on what happens with Cam Cam Robinson, you can potentially kick Cam Robinson into guard, um, and and have him play that right guard position. Have Ben Barch potentially be that left tackle, or vice versa. You can you know, also have Barch potentially move in there to that right guard position. Um, you know, I think AJ can. You know, he's one of those guys that I think the last couple of years we've really been talking about is this a guy that's ultimately going to uh, move on. From from the program you know uh he is signed through the 2021 season i think that'll be enough to allow um ben bartz to really get his legs there at that level um you know jacksonville had three picks in round number four and their second pick in round four was josiah scott out of michigan state 5'9 185 pounds you know played on the outside and was you know, frankly, Michigan State's best option to, you know, for a player to get drafted in this year's draft. And when you look at it, you know, they're doubling down at the cornerback position. And what I really like about this is, you know, I mentioned all the cornerbacks that are going to be free agents at the end of the 2020 season. And Josiah Scott, to me, if you put him in, uh, as the nickel, I think you really have something there. A guy who has some tremendous ball skills, um, know, really kind of an underrated and kind of a a guy that people were overlooking. Um, You know, but a guy who was was definitely proven. He came out as a junior um, and, you know, 22 pass breakups in his career. Uh, A guy who's been pretty consistent, you know, getting after the football. Six interceptions as well. So the ball skills are there. And his playmaking ability definitely there as well. Um, So I definitely love the pick. Uh, and then staying around 4 you get Shaq Quarterman out of out of Miami 61234 and what you get with Shaq Quarterman this is a guy who was a veteran leader there for for Miami a guy who uh, pl- you know started every single game in his career at the U and, you know, it's hard to believe that he's finally um, finally not going to be in, in that Hurricane uniform. And uh, a guy who, you know, definitely is you know, I thought he was more of a thumper, kind of like Denzel Perryman. Um, but he offered a little bit of, uh, of versatility, being able to drop into coverage a little bit. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised at, at his ability to move laterally, um, you know, Actually eclipsed the 100 100 tackle mark uh, for the first time in his career as a senior. Uh, a guy who has 13 pass breakups uh, as well. You know, 46 and a half tackles for loss you know, only his sophomore season. Did he not, uh, end up totaling, uh, at least 10, uh, tackles for loss also has 12 sacks in his career. So this is a guy that, that has some of that versatility, a guy that, you know, isn't just going to be a one trick pony coming downhill and hitting holes. He, he's a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, a guy that can rush the passer a little bit. And, you know, he, he is somewhat stiff and does get lost at times in coverage. But I think this is also a guy who, you know, trusts his eyes, reads and reacts and ultimately flows to the ball. Uh, so when I look at him, he's going to be the backup to Joe Schobert and a guy who I think is going to, um, if nothing else, be a special teams contributor. But this is a nice role player that you're going to have there on your roster. And look, Joe Showbert, um, you know what he did at uh, you know in in Cleveland, you know was remarkable. You know he was just a, a playmaker. And really, what I think about with Shaq Quarterman and, and what I wonder here is, you know, if you have Jack, you have Schobert, you have Quarterman you know, with Chaseon potentially moving to the defensive end position, if, if Yannick and is gone, does quarterman then, you know, is that going to be your trio of linebackers with uh, chase on potentially moving to that defensive end position, possibly that Leo that they have, that they've had there um, with the Jaguars. So, It's going to be interesting to see exactly how all of that plays out. Then you move on. Round number five, you get Daniel Thomas, the safety out of Auburn, 5'10", 215 pounds. Um, I I really like this pick as well. Um, If nothing else, with with Daniel Thomas, you're getting a veteran, a guy who was a team captain for the Tigers, um, eight pass breakups, five interceptions in his career, Um, so some good ball skills at at the safety position. When you're looking at Jacksonville and you're looking at safeties, you know, I was talking about, uh, you, know, you know, you have Ronnie Harrison at strong safety. Free safety, though, you have Jared Wilson. Um, you know, Andrew Wingard did a decent job filling in for him. But, uh, you know, I think that's really the one position that you could potentially upgrade is that free safety. Daniel Thomas, more of a of a strong safety, but... You know, I'd like to see potentially having him pair up with Ronnie Harris, uh, Ronnie Harrison, Harrison's, you know, big physical safety. And I think you get another guy like Daniel Thomas in there who, who had, can be a playmaker at the position. You know, I really like what they did there. Another guy that can be a special teams ace for them. Uh, Mention the receivers and they doubled down at the receiver position. They get Colin Johnson out of Texas, 6'6, 222 pounds, a guy that could potentially put on some weight and be that, that tight end. I think, you know, this is really a copycat league and you could potentially see someone a uh, Team looking for the next Darren Waller. And I think Colin Johnson, because of his frame, I think he can add some weight and some size and still be able to be effective at that receiver position. Uh, you know, they are at the tight end position. They have uh, Tyler Eifert, who they brought in from Cincinnati. They still have Josh Oliver on the roster. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy, more known as a blocker than anything else. But adding Colin Johnson there, he's another guy that, you know, the team didn't really have. They didn't really have this big physical uh, presence at the receiver position. You, know, you get the versatile uh, Chenault, you get Colin. Johnson there, uh, DJ Chark again is is going to be your number one wideout uh, with DD Westbrook, Chris Conley. You know if I'm Keelan Cole, um, I, I'm worried about my job. You know I, I think he could potentially be the guy that's going to end up being the odd man out in that receiving core. Uh, continuing on on day three, Jake Luton out of uh, out of Oregon State, 224 hundred twenty four pound quarterback. Um, you know I, I think with this pick it makes some sense. You know I was looking at Jacksonville, they needed to get another quarterback into the system, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, uh, the only two quarterbacks that are there on the roster. So you need to add a third. So it does make sense to, to bring someone in. I was actually expecting them to target someone like Tyler Huntley. Um, you know, and I had that going off in round seven. So, you know, getting someone like, like Jake Luton, this is a guy who's not going to be the most mobile quarterback, more of a pocket passer, um, you know, which is kind of unlike, uh, what what Gardner Minshew's game really is, and and uh, and Josh Dobbs as well. So, going to be an interesting dynamic there. Um, round six, stay in there. You get uh, Justin Davis. Uh, the, the tight end out of Georgia Tech, 6'4, 240 pounds. Um, this was a, I'm sorry, Tyler Davis, not Justin Davis. Um, and, and this was kind of a curious pick. You know, I think Tyler Davis has some some versatility and uh, shows off some, some athleticism, you know, a guy that can make some plays down the field. Um, you know, and a guy, you know, again, you've got Tyler Eifert and Josh Oliver really as your receiving tight ends. Um, you know, I, I was surprised. If you're going to take Tyler Davis, I was expecting them possibly to uh, take them, take him in round number seven. So I was a little bit surprised that he came off the board when he did. Um, in round seven, they end up taking the corner Chris Claybrooks out of Memphis, 5'9", 177 pounds. This was a guy that filled in for for TJ. Carter when he got injured and uh you know again an undersized corner but a guy who um showed off some some impressive ball skills um really a kind of an unheralded guy uh to that point but uh someone who I thought really stepped up played well um when when uh the spotlight was was put on him and uh you know, th- th- I think the biggest thing for, for me with him is I-, I think you could possibly be seeing him move into the slot. Um, I think that's ultimately where we'll probably end up seeing him. He's also has some, some versatility, you know, especially as a returner. Uh, 30.7 yards per kickoff return. Um, took one back to the house in, in 2019 as well. Um, you know, I, I- uh, again, you know, a guy that's going to be developing, developing, a more of a developmental guy. Um, had two interceptions, three pass breakups in his career. Uh, one of those interceptions he took back for a touchdown. Um, so it, it's I, to me, I think it's going to be a little interesting to see you know what happens there. I think you're getting more of a guy for the return ability than anything else. I think he's still developing as a corner, but again, I thought he filled in nicely for uh, T.J. Carter when he went down to to injury. So. um you know, not a, not a bad pick at the end of the draft. again, a guy that I think is more you know bringing being brought in because of his ability to provide some uh, some versatility in the, in, the, uh, in the return game. So with that, we'll move on to the Kansas City Chiefs and, and the the Super Bowl champs. You know I, I think when they entered the draft, I think there were a few things that you're going to be looking at, you know, potentially getting a pa- uh, a pass rusher to a team with with Frank Clark. Um, you needed to get a corner at some point you needed to uh, address the linebacker position. Um, offensive line was another position that I think you needed to address and then getting another running back. So in what order that really fell, you know, at one point I I thought maybe, you know, Cesar Ruiz would make some sense there. I had Jeff Gladney penciled in there to the Kansas city as well. um, you know, and ultimately they, they decided to go running back, but it wasn't the running back that everyone was expecting. I think everyone was expecting it to be uh, DeAndre Swift. You know, everybody's board. DeAndre Swift was the number one running back, and ultimately it was Cly- Clyde Edwards Alaire. You know, the 5'7", 207-pound bowling ball out of LSU. And really what you're getting with Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, is some, some versatility for sure. You know, a guy that has the power between the tackles. I think he's got a little bit of a wiggle in the, in the open field. Tremendous balance, runs with a low pad level. Uh, but honestly, you know, yes, he had the 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns in 2019. But it's those 55 receptions. You know, he was essentially the number three receiver after... Jay, uh, Jamar Chase and uh, and uh, Justin Jefferson. It wasn't Terrace Marshall. It wasn't Thaddeus Moss. It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire who was the number three leading receiver. So when you're talking about that running back position, you already have uh, Damian Williams, and, and you have Darwin Thompson, and I think those are nice, uh, nice pieces. And I thought Damian Williams really in the playoffs. Stepped up in a major way, but what you're getting with Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to be that safety valve for Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think Travis Kelsey was really that for Mahomes on third downs, he was looking for Travis Kelsey. And I think now bringing in a guy like Clyde Edwards Alaire, you don't have as much pressure on Travis Kelsey, you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket, you know, so to speak. Um, adding Edwards Alaire, it feels like an Andy Reid type pick, and so I thought that was a nice selection there at the end of round one, even though it was a little bit surprising, uh, cause I thought Clyde uh Edwards Alaire was gonna end up coming off the board in round two. But uh, you know, if you're KC, why wait? You know, why 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 wait to, to pick this guy up? You know, go ahead and get him at the un- end of round one. In round two, they go with Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State, the 6'1", and forty three pound inside linebacker. And I thought this was kind of a surprising pick. Um, You know, I actually had him coming off the board uh, on day three, and mainly because of the off field issues, you know, he was suspended for eight games. Uh, to start out the season and really at the end of the day I think what what Andy Reid is looking at is you know you know he has Tyreek Hill obviously has some of those legal troubles as well and, and it's something to where they do their homework they take a look at these players and are they going to have future issues down the road and I think you know with Willie Gay they did their homework everything checked out and what you're getting is a guy who was a tremendous athlete I think you know what he did at the combine blew up the combine uh with his athleticism. I think that was one of the things that was really on display at 6'1, 243 pounds, ran a 4'4, 640, 39 and a half inch vertical leap, 136 inches in the broad jump. You know, a guy that just you know the, the athleticism, you know, it's one of those things that you worry. Is it was he just a workout warrior? Is this gonna be a guy does it translate to the uh, to the field? And yes, he does have the sideline to sideline ability. Um I thought that he looked a little stiff in, in coverage. Um But, uh, you know, don't look at the numbers, at the stats. You know, in in 2018, yes, he did have five sacks, um, but you can't really use the numbers, the total tackles and everything else to really evaluate Willie Gay because, you know, frankly, 2019 was going to be his, you know, it's his junior season, really expecting him to have that breakout year. And he only ends up playing in those five games because he had a, you know his season cut short because of those uh, missing those eight games to start out the season, violation of team rules. Ultimately, was uh, was given his uh, the rest of the season those those last five games. Made the most of it. I thought you know he made, really made an impact there for for the Bulldogs. And uh, you know, when you look at that linebacker position, you got Damian Wilson, you have got uh, Anthony Hitchens, and then Willie Gay fitting in there with with Dorian O'Daniel. Uh, as a backup, as a role player, and potentially if you're looking at a three three linebacker uh, three linebacker set, Wilson could potentially play the Mike. But I think Willie Gay you could throw him in there at the middle linebacker, and then Damian Wilson and Anthony Hitchens uh, you know at the strong and and uh, and weak side backers. So end of the day. It's another Andy Reid type pick, you know. Andy Reid not necessarily taking the the safe or conventional route necessarily. As long as they do their homework, um, he's one of the the few that that really doesn't get scared away by some of the off field issues. Um, you know, Lucas Niang taken at the end of round number three, six six, three hundred fifteen pounds out of TCU, leg injury um, cut short his twenty nineteen season. But when you look at at Lucas Niang, where is he going to fit? You know, it's really going to be a role player. You know, because Eric Fisher is your left tackle, and you have Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. Mike Remmers was brought in to provide depth at the position as well. So when you're talking about the tackles, you, you feel pretty comfortable and you feel pretty set because these are guys that, frankly, had pretty darn good seasons. You know, for the the Super Bowl champs, keeping. Patrick Mahomes upright, keeping him healthy for the most part outside of the, the knee injury. But uh, you know with Schwartz, he's signed through 2021. Uh, Mike Remmers is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, Eric Fisher as well, signed through the 2021 season. So you, know, you not only get some depth there, uh, could Niang potentially play left tackle? Could he be that swing tackle? It's entirely possible. I think he has the athleticism to be able to do that. A little raw, uh, so being able to play behind some of those guys right now, learn the ropes, get in with a, with an o-, o line coach to work on some of the technique, and uh, you know, 2021 after the end of the season, if Fisher or Schwartz don't resign, then you could potentially be looking at Lucas Niang sliding into a a starting spot. Uh, end of round number four, you get LeJarius Snead out of uh, Louisiana Tech. 6'1", 192 pounds. a guy who's played corner, he's also played safety. Um, so looking at the safety position, you have uh, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill. You know Thornhill went down to injury. So I, I think this is a guy that can come in and potentially play you know multiple positions. Um, could either play the strong or free safety. could also play corner. And that's the thing that I think that KC uh, really was looking for is a cornerback. Um, you know, you have Rashad Fenton. You have Shavarius Ward uh, and, and Brash- uh, Rashad Breeland, who they were able to re-sign to a one-year deal. Um, but you needed to add some additional bodies in that secondary. You know, that's really where they were exposed defensively and, and addressing that need, getting someone in there that can play multiple positions. Um, you know, he'll be able to to kind of flow around and really play wherever it is that he is needed. Uh, A guy who has eight interceptions, 19 pass breakups in his career. What's crazy is is that three of those eight interceptions, he actually took back to the house. Uh, So a a guy who definitely is dynamic there on the back end of the defense and really a nice pick, nice value there in round number four. Uh, Stay in day three, round number five, uh, Mike Dana out of Michigan, 6'2", 251 pounds, a little bit of an undersized player here. He's gonna end up probably being an outside linebacker in their in their their defense. Um, possibly be a you know a, a defensive end, depending on if they're running a three or four man front. Um, but uh, just being undersized, I think that was really what you saw there at Michigan. Um, you know, trying to get him out on the field, especially in that uh, in that defense that they that they were running. You know, what made sense was you had Aiden Hutchinson, really a guy, and Quiddie Pay uh, were the guys that were the playmakers there on the end um, for the Wolverines. And uh, prior to that, though, you you look at his production there in Central Michigan, granted it was the Mac versus the Big Ten, but uh, 15 sacks, uh, 27 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, four forced fumbles as well. You know, this is a guy who just knows how to how to get to the quarterback. So I, I thought fifth round was a little uh, a little high for me. I thought you know sixth seventh round probably would have been, would have been better value. But you know KC only had one other draft pick um, after the fifth round. So you know it, it seems like KC was trying to just stay true to their board regardless uh, of where they are uh, it's where they were ultimately drafting, you know, Edward Jalair, probably a second rounder, took him a little bit earlier. Same thing with Willie Gay, um, you know, and, and Mike Dana. So not necessarily looking to move around in the draft. So I think that's ultimately what uh, what ended up happening there. Um, you know, and then in round seven, you get another corner, um, uh, Keys, Keys, the six, 202 pounder at a, at a Tulane. Um, you know, and, and what you have here with, with both Pete keys is, you know, uh, another v- versatile defender, a guy who has some pretty good length, long arms, 36 inch vertical leap at the combine. And, uh, you know, a guy who has some decent ball skills. Um, you know, that's the thing, you know, you look at Tulane, Tulane's brought, you know, Ultimately, a couple of guys got drafted out of this two-lane green wave defense, and you know, 15 pass breakups in his career. Um, and I think it's really that length that uh, they're looking to, tra- to try to target there for that defense. You know, you have Brashad Breland, but you need to, you know, again, length on that defense. You got Legarius Sneed, and you get uh, Bo Peek Keys. I really like the the selection there at uh, at the end of uh, towards the end there of round seven. So we move on to the Raiders. We take a look at at Mike Mayock and John Gruden and uh, really the Raiders, you know, you knew at some point they were going to go receiver. You kind of figured that they were going to do that and uh, they needed a corner. I figured that maybe they would address some of the pass rush as well. What was really crazy though, this was kind of a weird draft for me with with Gruden and uh, and Mike Mayock. You know, a a season ago, they, they drafted three Clemson Tigers, so I was expecting them to target some Clemson Tigers. They ended up taking two more. There's really a pipeline that's starting to develop there between the Raiders and the Clemson Tigers. Um, but uh, some curious picks. You know, let's jump into these. So two f- picks in round number one. The first one at number 12 overall. You get Henry Ruggs III, uh, 5'11", 188 pounds out of Alabama. The speedster, four-two-seven, forty. A guy that scored a touchdown um, on every 4.08 receptions. A guy who was that vertical threat. You know, only... Uh, you know, 90. Uh, what was it? I, I want to say 95 receptions, and of that, 24 of those were touchdowns. Um, so when you think about it, again, you know, a playmaker, a guy that just knew what to do when he got the ball in his hands. Not only a vertical threat, but a guy that would run a lot of slants and crosses. And what he would do is he would run away from from his his man, catch the ball in stride, turn up the field, and then he was gone. Just turn on the afterburners and fly by everyone. You're looking at this receiving core. You had Ty, uh, Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro. Those were the only two receivers in the in the top five among receivers. You know, at the uh, for the Raiders, you had uh, Darren Waller, who was going to be your number one, um, and he's a tight end, number one receiver. And you had Jalen Richard and Dwayne uh, Washington. Both running backs, so you needed to get another guy in there that was going to be your number one wideout and your number one target, and you really get that with Henry Ruggs. You had C.D. Lamb, you had Jerry Judy still out there. I thought it was going to be one of those two guys, but essentially, you know, Mike Mayock and and John Gruden targeting that speed first and foremost. Now sitting there at number nineteen, I was expecting this to end up being A.J. Terrell having that Clemson Tiger. Uh, pipeline, but he came off the board number 16 to the Falcons. So sitting there looking at a corner, who was it going to be? And it, it could have been any number of guys. Um, you know, there was Christian Fulton that was out there. Trevon Diggs, Noah Igbenogany, um, Jalen Johnson, Jeff Gladney, but instead, you know, they go with Damon Arnett, and, and you know, a little bit of a curious pick uh, to some degree. And what you're getting though with Damon Arnett is you're getting a physical corner, a guy that that uh, you know, if you put on the Michigan State game, uh, Cody White struggled to get any separation from Damon Damon Arnett, six foot, 195 pounds. Uh, thought about coming out after his junior season. So glad that he came back because he wouldn't have been anywhere close to the first round. Um, you know, 22 pass breakups, five interceptions in his career. Uh, Again, a guy who likes to get his hands on you, jam you at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, Trayvon Mullen, another guy that uh, can be physical at the cornerback position. So, you know, I just thought it was a little bit of a reach. I thought it was a little early for Damon Arnett. So, you know, number 19, um, probably a little too rich for my blood there. Um, In round number three, they had three picks. Two of those were used on more receivers. So I mentioned that you only had the two, you know, Tyrell Williams and and Hunter Renfro as the only receivers that were in the um, top five among receivers uh, on the roster. You brought in Nelson Aguilar from the Eagles. So if you're adding, you know, you have those three plus Henry Ruggs. So there's four receivers already. And then you bring in Brian Edwards. So there's a fifth receiver. So Zay Jones could potentially be on the way out. And then you also have Lynn Bowden Jr. who could be a running back, could be a receiver, could be a quarterback, you know, that versatility, the, the versatile wideout. So it's really going to be interesting to see how they how this all works, how this plays out. So Lynn Bowden Jr., um, you know, 16th pick in round number three, and then they took Brian Edwards, a pick later, two SEC uh, wideouts, you know, Kentucky and South Carolina, respectively. Lynn Bowden Jr., 5'11", 204, and like I said, he, you know, started his career there as a wideout as a receiver but uh ultimately due to injury was kind of the emergency quarterback and that's really what he did led Kentucky to a, a bowl game and uh you know a guy who look you know the athleticism is absolutely there you know and his ability you know wasn't much of a passer um, you know, let, let's be honest. There, you know, just completed forty-seven point three percent of his passes in twenty nineteen. But uh, on the ground, this guy was absolutely dynamic. You know, and that's something that you can absolutely, you know, potentially see him. Playing more often in the backfield potentially as a running back, you know I I think that's where you can kind of play around a little bit, even run some sets where he could potentially be a quarterback at times. Over eighteen hundred yards on the ground, fourteen touchdowns in twenty nineteen, and then with Brian Edwards, what you're getting is is a big. Physical wideout, a guy who has tremendous, you know, uh, body control, uh, a large catch radius, hands catcher, very natural receiver. Over three thousand reception, I'm sorry, three thousand yards, uh, two hundred thirty-four receptions, twenty-two touchdowns in his career. Battled injuries his last season, but pretty consistent receiver. You know, there for the Gamecocks, a guy, you know, just a model of consistency. Six-three, two-twelve. Um, so yeah, if I'm I'm Zay Jones, I'm kind of worried about my standing there with the organization. Round three, the last pick, you know, let's see, uh, number 36 overall in the, the third round. Tanner Muse out of Clemson. 6'2", 227. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? You know, that's really the biggest question mark that you have there. And, you know, frankly, what Tanner Muse does is he shows up to the combine and turns some heads with a 4'4", 140, you know, despite that, that size. And I, I thought that was tremendous. You know, and when you turn on the on the game film, you see a guy that can play very well downhill. I think he's a straight line runner. Um, You can see the speed shows up in the backfield, and uh, you know can make some plays. You know, had four interceptions in in 2019, 14 pass breakups in his career, um, three and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss. But the biggest concern that I have is the stiffness in his hips when he drops into coverage. Um, this is a guy that just got turned around. Um, separate you know, separation like crazy for the receivers. You know, this is a guy who I thought got abused at times. And uh frankly, I, I worry about Tanner Muse in coverage. So that leads me to believe that maybe he'll be a linebacker. But even then, you know, playing against some of the more talented tight ends, you know, I I really wonder what what that looks like for Tanner Muse, And because of that, I was expecting him to come off the board sometime on day three. So I thought this was a little bit of a reach for the Raiders there in round three. Uh, but again, the Raiders only had two other picks in round four. And so, you know, with that, uh, you look at the third pick of round number four, you know, right to start off day three, uh, you get John Simpson out of Clemson, 64 321 pounds, the big physical offensive lineman out of Clemson. And what I see here with John Simpson, um, you know, I think he can ultimately replace Richie Incognito, that big physical, strong presence. And I think you know, John Simpson would be a nice pick there. And then to, to close out their draft picks in round number four, you get Amik Robertson, a guy who I think can ultimately be that nickel. Right now, Lamarcus joyner, you know, he's a safety, he's a corner, he can play a little bit of both. But I think Mink Robertson ultimately is gonna end up taking over at that position. You know, if you haven't gotten to see him play uh, you know, for the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech, um, Amik Robertson ball skills for days. Yes, he's a little dude, and, and had he been about three or four inches taller, we'd be talking about a potential first-round pick. Um, but he's not. He's five nine, so that's why he's you know coming off the board in round number four. Battle the uh, you know a little bit of injury there, but look, fourteen interceptions, thirty-four pass breakups, including double-digit pass breakups in each of the last two seasons. Um, Never had less than four interceptions in a season in, in his three years there. Uh, but 23 tackles for loss. So this is a guy, you know, he's physical as a, as a tackler, wants to come up and, and hit you. You know, that aggressiveness can get him into trouble at times, you know, fall for some double moves. Um, you know, needs to make sure that he comes up and wraps up. You know, it can get a little bit too aggressive at times and over pursue plays. But uh, the 23, pass, you know, 23 tackles for loss, I think that really says, you know, speaks to you know, you've got a guy who's fearless, and if you have him playing in in the in the slot like that, you know, I, I think you're going to be seeing a guy who's going to be making a lot of plays there for the Raiders, which now takes us to the two LA teams, the Chargers and the Rams. We're going to start with the Chargers. We'll start with the Bolts. Moving on to SoFi Stadium. I think that's the best thing that could happen for the Chargers. Previously playing there in Carson in a soccer stadium. And they weren't really able to even fill the stadium with at least 50% Charger fans. It mostly felt like an away game. So, you know, Phillip Rivers is out. You need to get a quarterback in there. There was talk. Could it be Jordan Love, you know? Could it be Tua? Are they gonna trade up? What's it gonna look? What's it gonna look like? I think they got the right guy. They got Justin Herbert out of Oregon, 6'6, 236. And uh, you know, we've talked quite a bit about his, you know, what Justin Herbert brings to the table. All I'm gonna say with this is Justin Herbert went to school at Oregon, four year starter, a kid who played against USC and UCLA. And yes, you have the Rams and you have the Charters, but there's still a lot of pull there for those college, you know, college schools. Um there at uh, you know in in Los Angeles in in Southern California when you talk about football in Southern California the first teams that come to mind are are uh, the, the the Trojans and the Bruins for all those years that they were without football professional football in L.A. it was all about USC and UCLA and even now uh, you know that you have the Chargers and the Rams. There is pro football back, uh, but USC, UCLA, they have that pull. And the reason why I'm talking so much about SC and UCLA is they take, you know, take on Oregon quite a bit, quite often. And, and so when you take, you know, you, you take a guy like Justin Herbert, who should be familiar for all the Pac-12 um, Pac-12 fans, you know, his last game in, in an Oregon Ducks uniform was actually at uh, the Rose Bowl. So Charger fans, get excited for your quarterback, get get excited for this guy. Hopefully, he really you know energizes this fan base and really brings some some fans to SoFi Stadium to watch the Chargers play. Um, you know the Chargers trade back into round number one to get a to get their linebacker in Kenneth Murray, 6'3", 241, over three hundred tackles in his career. Uh, a guy who just flies around to the football and uh, you know heat seeking missile, if you will. A guy who ran a four five. Uh, 240 at the combine, but was running sub four, five in his workouts, and uh, you pencil him in there at, at middle linebacker, and don't look back. Um, you know, a guy who just flows well to the football. His biggest thing, you know, biggest issue is that gap integrity. But again. Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator there at OU, I think you really saw a lot of development in Kenneth Murray. The first two seasons, this was an athlete that was just playing sideline to sideline, just playing, you know, scraping over the top, uh, shooting into backfields, coming off the the guards, uh, the, the hip of the, the guard, shooting into, you know, as the guards pulling, shooting behind him, dropping the running back for loss, you know, really instinctive player. But the gap integrity, he was over-pursuing, he was guessing wrong, um, you know, having some trouble with with tracking the football uh, in in the running game, if he can get that completely cleaned up, then you really have yourself a potential pro bowl and all pro caliber player. Um, so getting him at round, uh, number 23 overall, I figured he was moving up draft boards. I had him sitting there at 28 for a long time to the Ravens, ultimately moved him up to 21 to the Eagles, getting him at 23. Love the pick there for the chargers. So those were the only two picks in the, the, the first two days of the draft round four. They get Joshua Kelly out of UCLA, 511 212 pounds, uh, get a kid, local product um, I thought this was a little early for him yes he went back to uh, back a thousand yard seasons a guy who has a nose for the end zone as well um, a guy that you can play in the red zone and be a, a versatile player um, but for me I, I thought he was kind of a one cut and go type of a guy um, more of a you know a guy who does churn on some extra yards but you're not a guy who has a whole lot of wiggle to him. Um, but if he was going to go anywhere, then you know the Chargers made some sense because you have Austin Eckler, a guy who is going to be that 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 uh, uh, that lightning to his thunder, if you will. Um, so it makes some sense. But I just thought that you know round four was a little high, a little early for him. Uh, in round number five, you get Joe Reed out of Virginia, uh, 6'1", 224 pounds, another versatile player, a guy who uh, was a tremendous weapon for. Um, for the the Cavaliers in their return game. And, you know, Joe Reed, you know, another guy, just like LaVisca Chenault, built, you know, powerfully built receiver, you know, guy who is dynamic, can make plays in the open field. Um, You know, and you, you look at what he's done, um, you know, 34, let's see, uh, 16 touchdowns, uh, had 34 carries as well in his career. So a guy that, you know, is used to carrying the football out of the backfield, but uh, the return game is really what, uh, what is staggering kickoff returns. You know, this is a guy five kickoff returns for touchdown in his career. Um, You know, as a senior actually had, you know, his uh, let's see, 24 kickoff returns and averaged 33.2 yards per return. So a guy definitely dynamic when he gets the football in his hands. Um, But, you know, I was a little surprised, you know, you know, you look at, at Virginia and receivers, you know, uh, Olamide, you know, Zacchaeus ends up not getting drafted, ends up going to the Falcons as an undrafted free agent. You see what he did. I wonder if his success uh, at the next level really got teams looking more at Virginia and their receivers because Joe Reed um, I thought was a guy that was kind of flying under, under the radar that nobody was really talking about. And so because of that, I was kind of expecting him to not get drafted. Um, then he runs a 4 4 38-inch four, uh, four, four, vertical leap. And because he's so powerfully built as well, I thought that was really impressive what he was able to pull off there at the combine. So getting him in round five, I thought at some point the Chargers were going to get a receiver. I actually had them taking Quintez Cephas in, uh, in round number four. And you know, you look at the receiving core, you have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, and I think after that, Joe Reed could end up potentially being that number three receiver there for the Chargers. Uh round number six, you get a Lowy Gilman out of Notre Dame, 5'11", 201, the safety, uh, a guy who can play downhill, you know, a guy who's very instinctive. I think you're getting a team captain, you know, um from the Irish. But the biggest thing for me that's uh, that uh was concerning is the stiffness in his hips. I think he's somebody who is going to struggle with, uh, you know, with that tightness. But what you are getting is a guy who is is instinctive. He's going to be a role player there, uh, potentially a special teams guy. But it is a, a kind of a, a crowded uh, safety position. You have obviously have Derwin James. As long as he can stay healthy, there's your guy at one safety position. You have Rayshawn Jenkins. You have Desmond King. You have Nasir Adderley. A lot of guys there in the secondary at the safety position, and not a whole lot of uh, you know playing time. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that fares for for Gilman. And then in round seven, you get KJ Hill out of Ohio State, six foot, one hundred ninety-six pounds, a guy who is smooth, a very smooth route runner. Um, I think that's really what you get when you're talking about an Ohio State receiver is their the route running ability. Um, I think KJ Hill has a chance to make the roster. I think you know the fact that he ran in the four sixes. You know this is a guy that's not going to be a speed demon by any any means. He's going to be more of a possession guy. But uh, I like the route running. I like his ability to still create separation, even though he doesn't have the long speed. Quicker than he is fast, I think he can end up being a guy that uh, Justin Herbert would have uh, have no problems getting the football to. Uh, moving on to the Rams, so the Rams sitting there. Obviously, they 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 get rid of of Todd Gurley, uh, Dante Fowler's gone. Um, you know, they end up getting Michael Brockers back. He ultimately didn't sign w- with the Ravens. They also bring in A. Robinson up front. But you know, I, I thought you know they they traded away Brandon Cooks as well. Um, you know, so I knew that they were going to go receiver. They're going to go running back with their first two picks in round number two. I actually had Cam Akers sitting there for quite a while with the Rams. I ultimately moved Clyde edwards lair. He continued to rise up draft boards. And this was ultimately the landing spot that I had Clyde edwards lair in my final mock draft. But uh, Cam Akers was the guy that I had penciled in there prior to that. 5'10", 217 pounds. I love this, this pick for the Rams. I think this guy is going to instantly be their starter at the running back position. I think he'll end up getting the starting nod over Malcolm Brown. And... Uh, Daryl Henderson, a guy who can be a three down back, you know, power between the tackles, has speed on the outside, and uh tremendous hands as well. Love that pick. Staying in round two, you get Van Jefferson, you know, just five picks later, 6'2", 200 pounds, a guy who's not known for his speed, but just watch his route running ability. You know his dad, Sean Jefferson, you know, played a number of years in the league, and you could see the the nuances. You know it was just next level nuances to his to, to his route running. You'd see different releases coming off the line, and you know he'd show you a uh, you know a slant on one play. So you're thinking slant, and then on the very next one, he's going to go ahead and run by you and run a run a you know a a comeback on the next play. And then he's going to run a completely different release and he's going to, you know, end up running a, uh, you know, a a sluggo on you. And so you just saw that the versatility and just, uh, you know, some um, ingenuity there with his, you know, and creativity with his ability to, to get open, create separation with his route running ability. Uh, I thought that was tremendous. When you look at the Rams and you look at the the receiver position, um, you know, that that's what you see with uh, with Cooper Cup ran in the four sixes at the combine, but you know nobody could really cover him because of his ability to get open. You know, he gets those releases off the line. I love this pick for the Rams. You got Cooper Cup. You got you know Robert Woods. I think Van Jefferson can battle Josh uh, Josh Reynolds for that uh, that starting spot. Um, so moving on from there after Van. Uh, round number three, they get Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, six five two sixty two. Um, you know, to me, Terrell Lewis is more of a situational pass rusher right now. Um, not a guy that you really saw on on. Uh you know, first or second down, when you knew that you had passing situations, this is a guy that was going to get after the quarterback. That's absolutely what you have with him, but uh, a guy who I, I think struggles at times in the running game. But uh, this is going to be a guy that I could see, you know, you have Samson Ebucom, you have uh, Leonard Floyd, um, and then you have Terrell Lewis. These are going to be three guys that are going to be counted upon to be those edge rushers uh, getting to the quarterback Um, you know, I I think you've got Justin Lawler that's on the roster as well. Obo Karankwo has been a disappointment to this point. Um, so I think Terrell Lewis really going to be counted upon to be one of those guys to put pressure on the quarterback. Um, so moving on to their next pick in round number three, they get another safety, Terrell Burgess, 5'11", 202 pounds. And Terrell Burgess really had a breakout senior season. You know, you have Taylor Rapp and you have, uh... John Johnson there at the safety position. Terrell Burgess comes in. You've got you know a veteran presence back there. I, I really like the pick. That really shores up that that safety position, and, and you have some depth there. Um, they also in round six end up taking Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State. 6'2", 203 pounds. Another veteran presence. A guy who racked up a bunch of tackles. A guy who was a a senior leader there for the Buckeyes. Really a veteran in that secondary. But I thought you know I, at times. Looked stiff. Looked like he was showing up a you know a, a step slow to the football. Um, you know I ultimately didn't even have him getting drafted. Um, ultimately, um, you know I, I thought sixth round probably a little high for him, but um, you know and, and end of the day, you know he's really gonna have to work hard to ultimately end up making the roster just because there is some depth at that position now. Um, Round four, you know, another curious pick. They take Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue, 6'4", 245 pounds, a guy who can definitely stretch the the defenses coming up the seam at at the tight end position, Um, battled some drops. You know, that was one of the issues that he had. But when you already have Tyler Higby and you have Gerald Everett on the roster, you know, what are we expecting with Bryson Hopkins? Um, You know, what role do you really envision him playing um, if you are the the Rams coaching staff? You know, how much time are you really going to see? Is he going to see the field as the the third leading uh, or the third tight end in the group? Uh, Tyler Higbee signed through the 2023 season, uh, you know, four year, $29 million contract. Now Gerald Everett on the other hand is only signed through the 2020 season. So uh, you know, I don't know if this is an insurance policy in the event, Gerald Everett moves on or, you know, or are they really looking to provide that depth? Because I thought Bryson Hopkins was the guy who had the ability to potentially come off the board in round two. I think those drops ultimately end up moving him uh, down in terms of his draft stock. Um, so I, I like the pick in terms of you know getting that that uh, you know the value. But I really wonder what his role is going to be there on the roster. Uh, round seven, you know they, they get a, another linebacker out of Baylor. They've already had uh, you know Bryce Hager on the roster, um, so now you're getting. Uh, Jordan, I'm sorry, uh, Clay Johnson, uh, 6'1", 227 pounds. And what you're getting with Clay Johnston, you know, this is a guy who, you know, battled injury in, in, uh, in 2019 only played in six games. But uh, the year prior, if you turn on the game, you know, the, the game film in 2018, 99 tackles, five and a half for loss, you know, an instinctive player there uh, in the middle of that defense. And really, as he was you know progressing, you saw his ability to make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. And you saw him starting to get after the quarterback a little bit before the injuries also have five pass breakups in those six games. Uh, the instincts, I think I, I, you know, if I'm the Rams, that's definitely what uh, drew me to this player. And you need an inside linebacker at some point. You know, are you going to move potentially to, to get Samson Ebukam and, and Leonard Floyd and Terrell Lewis on the field at the same time? Are you going to move one of them to the inside backer position? You also have Kenny Young, uh, Micah Kaiser there at inside linebacker. So you at least have some depth at the, at the position. That's really where I think they struggle quite a bit. Um, uh, they, they get their kicker in, in round seven. I was kind of surprised. Uh, they ultimately go with Sam Sloman, 58205 out of uh, Miami of Ohio. But don't underestimate him, you know, just because he's a he's a little guy. He has a big leg. And you know, that's where they, they you know they went with Greg Zerline. I think what they're expecting is to hopefully get another guy, you know, an unheralded uh you know, kicker, a guy that people weren't really talking about, but has a huge leg. And uh, you know, look, Greg the leg, you know, he ended up, you know, moving on, signing a big contract. Uh, um you know, hopefully Sam Sloman is going to be that guy here for uh, for the Rams. And then round number seven, uh, one pick after Sloman was Tr- uh, Tremaine Ancrum at a Clemson six two three fourteen played tackle at Clemson, but ultimately I think is going to kick inside to guard. Um, you know, you've got Austin Corbin, uh, Austin Blythe, the Austins, if you will. uh, as- as likely starters at the guards, um, Bobby Evans, David Edwards, probably going to be your, your future tackles with Rob Havenstein. Um, only signed, I believe through this next season, Andrew Whitworth likely going to retire. Um, you know, Joseph Noteboom going to potentially be a backup there at one of the guard positions. Jermaine Ankram can be that other guard. Um, with, like I said, Edwards and Evans being the backup tackles. So they're providing some more depth at that that offensive line position. They got to really protect Jared Goff and be able to block for that running game. They really need to get Cam Akers going. Um, you know, Daryl Henderson really needs to have a breakout sophomore season. I thought there really wasn't a whole lot from him as a rookie. Uh, overall, I think the Rams addressed some of their needs. Um, You know, some curious picks in there, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, they they did well with what they had. They're a team that's really strapped for cash. So, uh, and the fact that they don't have a first round pick, you know, I thought they did well uh, in round two to get some players that can really come in and make an impact right away. Miami. Holy cow. Um, I was expecting them to trade one or two of their first round picks, and ultimately, they held on to every single one of them. And uh, I think with Miami, what you have is they have the, the ability to really change the whole face of this offense. I'm sorry, not their, you know, their offense or defense, the entire roster, frankly, for that matter. And it's interesting. You know, I, I would say that in terms of of what they were what their moves were. Some of them I absolutely supported one hundred percent, and some of them were a little curious. Uh, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, you get your quarterback there at, at number five overall. Miami ultimately the hip checked out, and they're confident with their quarterback. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Tua doesn't have to be forced into playing time right away. You can have an established starter there. He can learn from and really get to be in football shape and really be football ready um, in, in 2020. Staying in round one at number 18, they get Austin Jackson out of USC, 6'5", 320, uh, 322. You knew that the top four tackles, uh, Andrew Thomas and, and Becton, um, you know Tristan Wirfs and Jer- uh, Jedrick Wills, you knew those four guys were going to be off the board uh, when Miami was drafting uh, at 18 and then again at 26. And... You know, taking Austin Jackson at 18, I thought was a bit of a reach. Now, this is a guy who I thought, you know, got a lot better as the season went on for the Trojans. But the issue for me, you know, if you watch that that game in the Holiday Bowl when when USC took on Iowa, AJ Epinesa, you know, he had his you know, when the athleticism when he was able to beat him out off the ball and really square up Epinesa, I thought Austin Jackson really held his own, but he was overpowered quite a bit by A.J. Epinesa. And that's really what I worry there, especially, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua, you, know, you want to be able to make sure that you have um, you know, have a guy in there that's going to be able to protect your quarterback. I think he he needs a little bit more seasoning, needs a little bit more um refinement, especially with, with some of that technique to be able to, to anchor against that bull rush. Um, you know, you have Julian Davenport at left tackle. I think he's more of a spot starter than anything else. Um, you know, you have Jesse Davis right now that's playing the right tackle. He's still more of a guard. Um, so I, I think, you know, they're, they're round two, taking Robert Hunt. I thought that was actually probably one of their best picks of all. Um, seventh pick in round number two. Uh, he, he's six, 329 pounds. And a guy, to me, you know, he played right tackle there for uh, Louisiana. You know They had the three-headed monster with the running backs, Trey Regas, uh, Raymond Calais, um, and, uh, and Elijah Mitchell. And that power running game that they had, he was just a guy that was mauling people, throwing people just out of the you know, out of the club, if you will, um, throwing guys all over the place, showed off some decent athleticism. Everyone's expecting him to move inside to guard, but I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Hunt was drafted um, with that right tackle position in mind. Um, So I thought they were going to double down at the tackle position, kind of surprised that, uh, you know, Robert Hunt was going to be that guy. Uh, But the more I think about it, I'm like, I really love the pick. You know, he could potentially be a guard. You know, they have – uh, Michael Dieter already on the roster. They have Eric Flowers, who they brought in, and then uh, Jesse Davis could potentially kick inside to guard as well. So they're giving themselves more options and more versatility there up front. So I, I, I don't, you know, hate the pick at all. In fact, I'm a big fan of Robert Hunt. So um, you know, I, I thought the Dolphins did pretty well there. You know, I mentioned that the, they had the number 26 overall pick. That was the pick that ultimately they traded to the Packers. Uh, so that the Packers could trade up for Jordan Love, so they they trade down to number thirty, and in the Packers slot they end up taking Noah Igbenogany, the corner out of Auburn. Uh, I think there were a lot of, you know, I, I was actually texting with a friend of mine who was a Miami Dolphin fan, and you know the expectation was running back or safety. Now running back, I, I don't think anyone was expecting them to ultimately end up drafting Matt. Bre- uh, I'm sorry, trading for Matt Breda. You know, they end up trading for Matt Breda. They have Jordan Howard as kind of that uh, that complementary back as well. You have Kalen Balaj and Miles Gaskin already on the roster. You get Matt Breda in there. That's ultimately why they ended up not drafting a running back. And then that safety position, you know, they, they ended up addressing the safety position a little bit later. With Igg what you're getting, you know, you already have Byron Jones and you have Xavier and Howard. Igmenogany is going to be your nickel, um, I think he's going to be an upgrade over Bobby McCain has that athleticism can be a, a returner as well. Um, so I, I think you can definitely expect him to be an impact and his have make his presence felt in the return game first and foremost. Yeah. Um, you know, staying in round number two, uh, you know now Miami Dolphins have two guys named Raquan, um, and they both spell it the exact same. Raquan McMillan, your inside linebacker, and then now Raquan Davis out of Alabama, 6'6", 311 pounds. I thought that the potential outweighs the production. You know, this is a guy that can really dominate. Uh, some games there at the the defensive end position in a, in a 34 defense. You just didn't see him always do that. And I think that was one of the things that was most frustrating watching him play. Um, you have Chris Christian Wilkins, you have Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba. Um, those guys likely to end up playing the outside linebacker position in the 34 defense that, uh, Josh Boyer is likely to be playing, but you know you also have some versatility here. You can run some of these hybrid uh, defenses. You can run a 4-3 in here as well with a lot of the guys that are here on the roster. I'm looking at Raquan Davis. He could potentially be a, a 3 technique. You could potentially play him over the nose because of his size. Um, I think he could has the potential to be a, a pretty darn good uh, 5 technique as well. So it'll be interesting to see where they play him, but the biggest thing is, is – the, the production, you know, you just didn't see that at Bama after his freshman season. That's really what I'm waiting to see is is can we tap into uh, into some of that potential and get him to really play at a higher level. So I, I, I honestly thought that he was going to come off the board in round three because of that lack of production. Uh, at the top of round three, they finally get their safety, Brandon Jones out of Texas, 5'11", 198. And with Brandon Jones, you're getting a guy who you know can be that that, that deep safety, um, someone who can come up and hit you. He can be physical. The problem is, is he's going to look to really lower his shoulder, and not really wrap you up. So and doesn't always take the right angle to the football. But he was a veteran presence there in that Texas secondary. Um, so they they do get a safety. And I mentioned you, know, you've got Eric Rowe and you've got Bobby McCain there at the safety. Position, Adrian Colbert also brought in. Um, so I think Brandon Jones is gonna be a guy that's gonna battle for playing time there. And I could I could I could honestly see him potentially um working his way into a starting spot early on in his career. Round number four, starting out day number three, they get Solomon Kinley out of Georgia. 65 uh, 337 pounds. You know, and I think if you're getting Robert Hunt, now you're getting Solomon Kinley two very physical offensive linemen. And that's really, I think they're trying to really reestablish what they want to do there on the defensive side of the football. This is going to be a big physical offensive line and, um, you know, with with, with Hunt and, and now, you know, Kinley and then Austin Jackson can generate some movement. He, he definitely showed that, was able to be a lead blocker for some of the Trojan running backs there out on the perimeter as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Chan Gailey can really cook up there for the Dolphins. Uh, round five, you get J- uh, Jason Strobridge out of North Carolina, 6'4", 275, a guy who's probably going to be of that five technique. Um, so you're getting uh, that, that defensive line really shored up and really getting some of that depth. Uh, which makes you know, lends me to believe that you're going to see Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba likely playing at the uh, outside linebacker in the 34 defense, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Those are guys that I think can play, play well in space. Speaking of guys playing in space, um, 19th pick in round number five, Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, 6'2", 265 pounds. Look, Curtis Weaver – I, for the life of me, I can't really figure out why this guy uh, fell as far as he did. This was a guy that I think at one point people were talking about potentially being a first-rounder. If you look at him, the body type, he doesn't ex, you know, doesn't really exude uh, you know the tremendous athleticism. Uh, the other thing that, that you look at is, is he's not going to be a guy who's going to be that, that real quick twitch guy coming off the edge. But you can't argue with production. Forty-seven and a half tackles for loss, thirty-four sacks, including thirteen and a half a season ago. Six pass breakups as well. To his uh, to his credit, this is a guy who knows how to get to the quarterback. I think this is a great pick. Tremendous value in round number five could potentially be a steal when it's all said and done. Um, You know, he's somebody, you know, you already have Kyle Van Noy on the roster. You have, uh, you know, like I said, Lawson and Ogba, Vince Beagle, guys who know how to get to the quarterback. But Curtis Weaver, you can't have enough pass rushers on the roster. I think Curtis Weaver down the road is going to be a guy that we're going to be talking about as one of those steals of the draft. Round number 6 you get a long snapper out of LSU Blake Ferguson 63229. You know we knew at some point there was going to be a long snapper that was going to be taken in the draft. Blake Ferguson's obviously going to be the guy they needed a long snapper there for the for Miami. So I think he's going to be a guy that uh Step right in and be able to, to take over the position. And then at the end of round number seven, they end up getting, you know, turning to the service academy, getting Malcolm Perry out of Navy, 5'9, 186 pounds. This is a guy who obviously was the quarterback there at Navy. Um, not really much, you know, going to really be a quarterback, probably going to be more of a receiver, running back type, an Antoine Randall L type of guy, but someone who could potentially play under center, could be a wildcat, could potentially have some packages where maybe he r- runs the option a little bit. Gives you at least a little bit of the you know that playmaker when he is out on the football field. Teams at least have to take you know wonder what it is, where is he going to line up, what is it going to look like when he has the ball in his hands. Um, moving on to my uh, Minnesota. Minnesota had a ton of picks. I mean, we're we're going to spend a lot of time just talking about Minnesota Viking picks. Um, but uh, round number one, they had two picks. You knew they were going to go receiver after trading uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, and they ultimately get Justin Jefferson to fall into their laps. You know, a guy who had you know over a hundred tackles, I'm sorry, over a hundred receptions and um, you know led the country, you know, or, or was was in the top five in receptions, um, receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, just you know, tremendous, tremendous playmaker. You know, a guy who you know ran that sub four five forty at the combine. I think it was really you know eye popping. Um, you know, 111 receptions, 1540 yards, 18 touchdowns. Um, you know, what you're getting there. This is going to be a nice compliment to Adam Thielen. Uh, you get another corner. Frankly, they needed to get you know address that cornerback position, and uh, they doubled down. You know, r- frankly, they got three corners because. When you look at the the roster, that you know you lose Xavier Rhodes, you lose Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. You needed to address the cornerback position. You get Jeff Gladney, ball, you know, ball hawk there, 5'10, 191 pounds, um at one uh corner position to team up with Mike Mike Hughes. Later on, you end up getting uh Cam Danzler, round number three, uh 6'2", 188 pounds. Really good ball skills. Ran that 4'6'40 at the combine. Kind of scared teams away. A guy who had potential to be a first-round pick because of those ball skills. I think he's nice value there in round three. And then you have Harrison Hand out of Temple, a guy who I think is still developing. 5'11, 197. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? That's really one of the big question marks. But a guy who I think is going to be a nice role player there for uh, for Minnesota. Then you get Ezra Cleveland in round number two. 6'6, 3'11 uh, out of Boise State fell all the way to them. I think, you know, the fact that he's just a a finesse player, really lacking that lower body strength, um, you know, I I thought that he didn't generate a ton of power um, with his blocking. But what you do see is a guy who's really light on his feet. I think he has the potential to be that future left tackle. Um, I was talking about the potential to, you know, see Brian O'Neill possibly move to the left tackle position and bring in a right tackle. But uh, with Minnesota, having Ezra Cleveland fall into the laps there at the end of round number two, you don't have to worry about that. You can keep Brian O'Neill at that right tackle position, and, and uh, Ezra Cleveland can ultimately take over for Riley Reef at the left side. Um, round four, you get a couple of defensive ends. You first get DJ Wonham out of uh, South Carolina, 6'5", 258, a guy who can bend coming around the edge, has some speed. Then you have James Lynch, 6'4", 289 pounds. Is he a DN? Is he going to be a D-tackle? You know, I think he really fits best as a five technique. So I think what you're looking at here is a guy who in a 43 defense may end up kicking inside and being that three technique, but a guy who I think bends pretty well for a guy his size and uh someone who just wreaked havoc coming off the edge. A guy that for me, um uh, I actually had him slated as, you know, one of my top five or six um edge rushers in the draft. And and really because of, of the production, you know that that he had there at Baylor, you know, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks in 2019. He and James Lockhart and uh, Bravion Roy lived in Big 12 backfields, and so I really love that pick there in round number four. Kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Brian Robinson. Um, if you're a Minnesota Viking fan, you'll remember Robinson out of Texas you know, a guy who was a mainstay on that roster for a number of years. Uh, round number four, you get Troy Dye out of Oregon, six, uh, 6'3", 231, a guy who led Oregon in tackles for a number of years. Um, you know, and really when you're looking at that linebacker position uh, in Minnesota, it makes some sense to to bring in someone who can challenge for a potential starting spot. Um, I think Ben Gedian is has kind of been an overachiever. You have Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr on the roster. I think Troy Dye could potentially come in uh, and and challenge for that starting spot at the will position when it's all said and done. Um, continuing to move along, uh, KJ Osborne. You get another receiver, six foot two oh three. Um, veteran presence there at the receiver position. Blake Brandle out of Oregon State, 6'7", adding some additional depth uh, at the offensive tackle position. I thought, you know, this was a guy who struggled at times with some speed rushers, has tremendous length, could potentially kick inside to guard, uh, more of a developmental guy. Josh Metellus, uh, safety out of Michigan. Um, you have Harrison Smith. You have Anthony uh, Harris on the roster already. Josh Metellus is somebody who can come in and provide some depth. Um, you know, you also have Brian Cole, uh, the second, another guy uh, that was drafted there in round number seven, you know to also man one of the the uh, the safety spots. Uh, Kenny Willickis you bring in in round number seven another guy who kind of reminds you of Brian Robinson 6'4", 264, plays with uh, you know, his hair on fire addressing that defensive end position and really you know, when you think of of Minnesota you know you always thought of Everson Griffin a guy who for you know seven years was there with with Minnesota and a guy who had you know over thirty sacks in his career um, you needed to get to address the you know. Get some pass rushers in there opposite, uh, you know, Daniel Hunter, and what you're getting there uh, with Willickis, with DJ Warham and and Lynch potentially playing that defensive tackle position. Um, you know, you've got. Three guys that can come in there and really support Daniel Hunter, who's a double-digit sack guy, and uh, you know teams will key in on him unless you can get some other guys on that roster to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Nate Stanley, the quarterback out of Iowa, you get him in round seven. I think Kirk Cousins, you know, there's still question marks as to whether or not he's going to be the leader of that team. Resigned for a two-year deal, um, so I think Nate Stanley at least will provide some good veteran uh, backup. And then Kyle Hinton out of Washburn. Don't, don't know too much about him. 6'2", two, 296. I think he tested well um, at his pro day. Um, but that was kind of a curious pick for me at the end of round number seven. Minnesota, ton of picks. Um, but I thought they had a pretty decent draft overall. Uh, looking at New England, uh, the Patriots, you know, they, they draft Kyle Duggar at the top of round two. They traded out of that t- number 23 overall pick and ultimately get into round two. And, uh, they get Kyle Duggar, they get their safety, and what's interesting is you have Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung at the safety position, um, and what's curious is, is okay, Kyle Duggar's your number one guy. He gives you some versatility that makes you wonder um, you know, how much longer can we expect Patrick Chung and, and Devin McCourty in New England Patriot uniforms. Um, you get Josh Uche um, in, in round two out of Michigan, um, another versatile guy, a guy who can rush the passer, you know, did so at Michigan. Um, didn't really see him drop as much into coverage, um, but he was able to showcase that at the senior bowl, that he has that ability to, to do that. So there is some versatility there. The one concern that I have with Uche is he wasn't really a starter until his senior season. So there is some question about that. Um, Anthony Jennings out of Alabama, a guy who, who knows how to put pressure on the quarterback, 6'2", 266, uh, 256 pounds. You had to replace Jamie Collins and uh, um, Kyle Van Noy. Um, so I think they're able to do that with these two picks. I really do like those picks as well. Uh, guys who can definitely put pressure on the quarterback. Um, then it gets kind of weird. You know, the, the second two picks in, um, in in round number three, you end up taking Devin Asiasi and, and Dalton Keene, the two tight ends. You knew that they needed a tight end, at least one. You know, with Rob Gronkowski be ultimately being traded to, to Tampa Bay. But I was expecting Adam Troutman. You know, and if you're going to go Dalton Keene, maybe you know sometime mid-day three. Um, was not expecting them to come off the board in round number three. You still had Adam Troutman sitting there on the board when uh, Devin Asiasi was taken. 6'3", 257. Can be a weapon up the seam. Really one year of production there at UCLA. Uh, but a guy who I think is continuing to develop. And then you have Dalton Keene. This is a guy that I was kind of comparing to Foster Moreau, uh, a guy who... Uh, could play all over the field. Um, you weren't expecting him to be as athletic as he was. Uh, Dalton King can play the fullback and play H back and play tight end. Uh, he lined up in the slot at times. 6'4", 253 pounds. You give that that same versatility that you had when you had Gronk and either um, you know Aaron Hernandez or Martellus Bennett. So you know I, I think at the end of the day, Bill uh, Bill Belichick was looking for his guy, uh, Justin Rohrwasser, uh <laughs> You know, fifth round uh, kicker out of Marshall, 6'3", 234. What was funny, uh, the reason why I chuckled was this was the first guy that ESPN said, look, we had no video on this guy. You know, we weren't really expecting him to be drafted. But look, he was the uh, um, the conference special teams player of the year, has a big leg. Um, so he's ultimately going to be the replacement for Steven Guskowski. Um Round six, Michael Omwenu, the big physical uh, offensive lineman there out of Michigan, 6'3, 344. He'll provide some depth up front, as will Justin Heron, the veteran uh, offensive lineman there out of Wake Forest, 6'4, 308. Um, you know, Ka- uh, surprising pick here, Cash Malouia out of Wyoming, 6'2, 248, inside linebacker. Um, I was really kind of surprised with this this pickup. He's going to potentially provide some depth. Um, I think more than anything else, you're going to see a guy who's going to possibly make the roster as a special teams guy, a uh, special teams performer. A season ago, uh, 61 tackles, seven going for loss, a couple of interceptions. You know, but really, you know, a career. When you're talking about Wyoming linebackers, you really talk about Logan Wilson. And I'm sure that that's what happened. They they were watching Wyoming. They were watching Logan Wilson. And they probably saw something that they liked out of Ka- uh, Cash Malouia, obviously enough to be able to take him at, in round number six with a third, uh, sixth round pick. And then round seven, you get Dustin Wooder, the veteran safety there. I'm sorry, veteran center uh, out of Memphis. Is 6'1", 296. Um, this is a guy who could potentially you know take over for for David Andrews. His long term health obviously in question there. Um, you know Dustin Woodard. You know definitely a nice pick there um, at the end of round seven. A guy who can be a physical presence there on the interior of that line. New Orleans, only four picks in uh, in uh, in the draft this year and. Some interesting ones, to say the least. You know, some head scratchers. Um, you know, you look at Cesar Ruiz taken with the twenty-fourth overall pick, six-three-three-zero-seven. I love Cesar Ruiz, and I had him actually coming off the board to the Ravens. I had him penciled in as a first-round pick. The biggest question mark is: is you have Eric McCoy already on the roster, and so you're bringing in Cesar Ruiz. What's really the game plan? What's the end game here? You know, I thought that Eric McCoy actually had a decent season there at the center position. So if you're bringing in Cesar Ruiz, he's the only interior lineman with a first-round grade are they looking at him really to be that right guard? You have Eric McCoy at center, Cesar Ruiz at right guard, and Andrews Pete at left guard. I mean, maybe that's really what they're thinking about. Maybe they're not as happy with Larry Warford as people were expecting. You know, I thought it was a little bit of a curious pick, especially when they could have gone linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think they needed to address that linebacker position. But oh, wait, they do end up taking Zach Bond. Um, falls to their laps in round three. Surprising that he was on the board there. May have had something to do with that diluted uh, test sample. But 6'2", 238, a guy who can rush the pass for 12 and a half sacks a season ago, a guy who can be an off-ball linebacker, you know, drops into coverage a little bit as well. You know, I think he'll be in, uh, you know, challenge Alex Anzalone uh, for a starting spot. And then, gosh, Adam Troutman fell all the way to the 45th, 40, I'm sorry, 41st pick in round number three uh 65 255 pounds out of Dayton this guy looked like a man among boys at the FCS level and a guy to me I thought he str- you know looked like he was straining a bit uh at, during some of the drills at the combine ran a 4840 um but you know you saw him with the three cone drill, especially a guy that you know is able to create separation with his route running ability, um, put his foot in the ground, get uh, and change directions in a hurry. Seventy catches, uh, nine hundred sixteen yards, and fourteen touchdowns uh, this past season. Uh, 31 total touchdowns in his career. A guy who just knows how to, you know, has a nose for the end zone, a big playmaker on the outside. And, uh, you know, look, you have, uh, you know, you have Jared Cook at the tight end position, but uh, they needed to get a, another weapon there for Drew Brees. They ended up signing or end up drafting Adam Troutman. And when you look at this receiving core, you, know, you have Michael Thomas, you have Emmanuel Sanders now who you brought in, um, and then you have Traquan Smith. You know, there really aren't any other receivers on the roster to really speak of. So you bring in another tight end. You know Josh Hill, kind of a disappointment. You don't address the receiver position, though. You end up bringing in Tommy Stevens uh, with your seventh-round selection. And I know what you're saying you know, with that is you, know, you already have Jameis Winston, who you brought in you know, on the roster as well. You have Taysom Hill, and then you draft Tommy Stevens. And so you know, I'm sitting here thinking about Tommy Stevens. He's one of those guys at Penn State play the receiver position. Um, you could know, play tight end a little bit. A guy who is kind of that Taysom Hill type type quarterback. He's a developmental guy. But again, you know, where's where's a the receiver? There really wasn't a receiver in in their group. So I don't know if they're expecting to to take Taysom Hill and Tommy Stevens and play him more at the wideout positions. I just you know, kind of a curious pick there for me in round number seven. Uh, the Giants, Dave Gettleman and company, um, they get their offensive tackle with the fourth overall pick. They did, they, they did not end up getting tempted by Isaiah Simmons enough to draft him. Um, Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Andrew Thomas, 6'5", 315 pounds. This is a guy who has experience at both tackle positions. He's going to ultimately take over at that right tackle position uh, that was vacated by... Um, Mike Remmers, who went on to the Chiefs, as we mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a starter right away. I think for me with him, um, you know, I, I think the pass sets, you know, at times, you know, he, he struggled a little bit there. Really a guy that can generate some some movement in the running game. He and Solomon Kinley on that left side for Georgia. Did a lot of that. A guy who was able to get out and be a lead blocker there for uh, DeAndre Swift. You saw him doing that. I think in pass pro, he needs to, you know, he needs to make sure – he has 36-inch arms. He's got really long arms. But the problem for me is he wanted to kind of lean and bend at the waist a little bit. And when you get too far over your toes, you're going to get off balance. You're going to be able to be driven back and uh, not really be able to anchor. They can get him to play more upright and not just extend so far over uh, into his band. I think he really could have something there with his athleticism. Um, round number two, they ended up getting Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. Six foot two oh one. A lot of people were thinking he might be a first round pick. I had him going off the board in round two in around this range. And what I look at is, is he'll end up being the starter uh right next to, to Jabril Peppers at, at the free safety position. Um I think Julian Love is kind of penciled in as a potential starter there. Julian Love to me actually should be their, their nickel. Um so I think that really makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I love love that pick. They get Matt 6'7", six seven, three eighteen. This is gonna be you know, a depth player, kind of your swing tackle and a guy who could potentially take over that left tackle position for Nate Solder. Um, you know, in, in round four, you get a corner in Darnay Holmes, 5'10", 195 pounds out of UCLA. Um, you know, you have James Bradbury on the walker, on the roster. Uh, DeAndre Baker struggled at, at the position. You have Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal, a couple of young guys. You bring him in. Um, could potentially be another slot uh, slot corner Julian Love, Grant Haley also at the position as well. So you know, you're just continuing to add to the depth of the position. Um, Round five, you get Shane Lemieux out of Oregon, uh, a veteran guy, you know, started, I want to say over 50 starts to his career, and uh, he'll provide some nice depth at the position behind uh, Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. They didn't take a center, which I was surprised. You have Spencer Pulley at the position. Um, You need to get a center, and uh, that was one of the positions that they did not address in the draft, so I was kind of surprised about that. Uh, they did pick up Cam Brown out of Penn State in the sixth round, 6'5", 233 pounds. Uh, really a long, lean, uh, you know, lean athlete. A guy who can cover a lot of ground in uh, in that linebacking core, and uh, you know, a guy who I think can play inside or outside. Probably end up backing up Lorenzo Carter at the will uh, when it's all said and done. Um, round seven. I have four picks there. You get Carter Coughlin, outside linebacker, 6'3", 236 out of Minnesota, a guy who knows how to put pressure on the quarterback, was a defensive end there for the Gophers, uh, tremendously productive Um, You know, has some good straight line speed. Has some stiffness in his hips, though. So that's going to be a little bit of a concern. That's why he fell all the way to round number seven. You get T.J. Brunson, inside backer, six foot two thirty out of uh, South Carolina. Uh, Can be a playmaker there. I figure he'll end up being one of those guys that's going to be a a backup there for for Blake Martinez and company there at the inside backer position. David Mayo, uh, you know, Ryan Connolly also there uh, inside. So that's going to be interesting to see how you know who ends up winning out there Uh, you get Chris Williamson another corner at Minnesota six foot 205 can play corner can play safety a little bit of versatility there and then Mr. Irrelevant take Crowder inside backer out of Georgia 6'2 235 you needed again needed some depth at that inside linebacker position so we move on to the Jets and what we're looking at with the Jets uh, you get Makai Becton your offensive tackle um, you know, when you're when you got a guy like Joe Douglas, an offensive lineman, uh, there as your G- uh, GM, you know, you, you figure at some point that's what they're going to do. I was expecting them to go receiver and then go with the tackle position. Um, ultimately, they end up deciding to go with the tackle, then a receiver. They get Denzel Mims in round number two, um, six three, two oh seven to be their potential number one wideout. I had him actually coming off the board in round number one. Um, you know, I, I think he has a skill set that is unique. Um, some people aren't as high on him as 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 I am, but uh, a guy who I think you know the the his ability to contort his body, uh, really you know exceptional catch radius, and a guy who knows how to get open. Um, you know, I look at that receiving core. You have Brashab Berriman and and, and uh, Quincy and Jamison Crowder. Uh, Josh Doxson, you need to have an explosive guy. And Denzel Mims ran that sub 4-4-40 four, at the combine, really turned some heads there. Uh, Mekhi Becton, you know, uh, you know, you have him. You have George Fant. You, know, you re-signed Alex Lewis. You have Connor McGovern now at center. Brian Winters at guard. Chuma Doga at right tackle. Um... You know, I I really like what they're doing there, uh, with the Jets. You know, building around that offensive line. You also get Darnold, his uh his his weapon there. Um, you get Ashton Davis in round number three, the safety out of Cal, six one two zero two. Um, I like the pick. You know, I think he's somebody who's going to be a backup there for Marcus May. Um, uh, Jabari Zuniga in round number three, you get a pass rusher, six three two sixty four out of Florida. Um, you know he's going to be a guy. Is he going to be on the line there as a five technique? Is he going to be outside linebacker? Is a little bit of stiffness to his game. A guy who I think can really rush the passer well uh, from the interior. You know he lined up a D tackle quite a bit there for Florida um, on passing situations. in Their NASCAR package. Uh, moving on to day three, you get Lamichael Pirine, um, a guy who's going to back up um, Le'Veon Bell. You know five uh, eleven, two hundred sixteen pounds, tremendous hands. Um, you get a backup for Sam Darnold, James Morgan out of Florida International, 6'4, 229 pounds. Um, you know, a, a guy who I thought, you know, just he continued to rise up draft boards. And I really like what he did there at Florida International. Uh, Cameron Clark out of Charlotte, 6'5, 308, uh, 308 pounds, he can play tackle, can play guard, nice versatility. Uh, round five, Bryce Hall, Virginia, 6'1, 202. A guy, had he come out after his junior season, would have been the number one corner. Uh, Taken 21 pass breakups, ends up getting injured, falls all the way to round number five, which is crazy. But when you look at this team, he can end up being the starter opposite Pierre Desir, and this is a guy that you end up drafting in round number six. Tremendous, I'm sorry, round number five. Tremendous value. And then in round six, you uh, you draft a punter. You get Braden Mann, a guy who I think can really boom it, and uh, ultimately is going to end up being their starter there at the punter position. Uh, Philly. Interesting, in, interesting draft there for Philly. They end up taking Jalen Rager with the uh, their first round selection, and uh, I knew they were going to need to go receiver. I was ultimately expecting them to go Justin Jefferson here. Um, you have, you know, I think Jalen Rager. What you end up getting is a guy that's going to replace Deshaun Jackson. And I think that's really what uh, what that pick was going to be—a guy that was running in the four twos, um, you know, tremendous athlete, over a 40-inch vertical leap as well, dynamic in the open field, quick acceleration after the catch. Uh, round two, you end up getting a uh, backup for Carson Wentz. I figured it was gonna come off the board in round four. You end up getting um, you know the backup in round two, you end up taking Jalen Hurts, 6'1, 222 pounds out of Oklahoma. We know what he did, you know, the Heisman runner up, you know, over a thousand yards on the ground, uh, improved tremendously as a passer there under Lincoln Riley, a guy that I think you can build some packages around uh to potentially get him out on the field early and often. Um, round three, you end up getting Davion Taylor out of Colorado, 6'1", 228. Um, a track guy, they're at the, at the linebacker position. And I think when you look at the linebackers, they needed to get some guys. Um, you have Nate Gary, you have TJ Edwards, Duke Riley. Um, you know, Nate, Nate Gary came off of the, the practice squad and um, it was an overachiever. TJ Edwards was an undrafted free agent from a season ago. Duke Riley you brought in um, from Atlanta. Davion Taylor kind of provides some depth. You also drafted Sean Bradley, a pick that I really like, you know, out of Temple, local guy, 6'1", 235 in the sixth round, a guy who can play inside and outside, pretty versatile guy. Uh, Round four, he got Kayvon Wallace the safety out of Clemson a guy who I thought you know was one of the better covermen there on the Clemson roster um, you know and he provides some versatility there at the safety position. Jalen Mills could potentially play the corner right now he's kind of slotted as the uh, as a safety he could potentially be a corner I think Kayvon Wallace could be a guy that you know because of his skills uh, as a cover guy could see the field early for the Eagles. Um, in round four, they also get Jack Driscoll out of Auburn, 6'5", 306, played the right tackle position. I thought he was actually the most consistent offensive lineman that uh, Auburn had. Um, could kick inside to guard. Brandon Brooks coming off of that uh, Achilles injury um, in uh, at the end of 2018 into 2019, um, you know, he's at the right guard. I think Jack Driscoll will at least provide some depth there. Also has some versatility to potentially be a tackle, uh, play the tackle position as well. Round five, you get John Hightower, the smooth six, 189 pound wideout out out of Bo- uh, Boise state, a guy who can be you know, a vertical threat, decent route runner as well. So you double down at the wide receiver position, you know, a position that you really needed to because you, you lost, um, you ultimately lost uh, Nelson Aguilar. You have Alshon Jeffrey on the roster. Don't know for how much longer. JGR, Sega Whiteside, only 10 receptions a season ago. You traded for Marquise Goodwin. Um, you know, Deontay Burnett got some playing time at the position. You you know, a former quarterback was one of your top wideouts as well, you know, and, and Greg Ward. So, you know, they're, they're bringing in a lot of guys on the roster. It'll be interesting to see who ends up sticking there. Um you had another receiver in round six, Quez Watkins, six foot, 185 pounds, out of South uh, Southern Miss. The junior uh, ended up, you know, going over a thousand yards there for the Eagles. Uh, ran that sub four four forty, and I think that's ultimately what got him uh, drafted where he was. Uh, mentioned uh, Auburn and their consistency with their offensive tackles. Philly ends up taking both of them. They end up getting Prince Tega Winogo in round number six. I thought that was a little low for him, so I, I really like the value there. Um, uh, yeah, and with it Teg- with Prince Tega Winogo, what you're getting there is a guy who has tremendous athleticism, but I thought he was still raw. The hands didn't always match the feet. They weren't always in unison. I think that's ultimately what got him into trouble at times. But I think he's somebody who's going to you know, provide some depth to the position, if nothing else. Um, and then in round number seven, you get Casey Tuhill out of Stanford. 6'4", 250, a guy who can be that uh, pass rusher coming off the edge. Really more of a guy that made made some sense in a, a 3-4 defense um, as an outside linebacker, he'll probably end up having to play with his hand in the dirt, um, battling out the likes of uh, you know, Josh Sweat, uh, Jannard Avery for playing time. I think Gennard Avery is another guy. Is he going to be a linebacker? Is he going to be a defensive end? I think Casey Tuhill kind of falls into that as well. Um, so moving on from Philly, we can move on to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, not a whole lot of picks, but they did a tremendous job with them. In round two, they take Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. This was a pick that I was projecting for a little while. 6'4", 238 pounds. Uh, Claypool ends up running the sub four four forty, despite the fact that he is as big as he is. And uh, a guy, you know, I don't really know what they feed there, the wideouts at, at Notre Dame, but a guy who can get vertical, a guy who is physical, you know, is going to be a red zone nightmare. A guy who for a while thought was going to be translating to a, more of a tight end position. Boy, was I wrong. And, and this is a guy, you know, he's going to provide some. Versatility there for, for Ben Roethlisberger. You already have Juju Smith Schuster. You have James Washington stretching the field. Deion Kane might finally make an impact. Ryan Switzer in the slot. Chase Claypool is something that's completely different and something that I don't even have on this roster. And uh, so I definitely love that pick in round two. In round three, you get Alex Highsmith out of uh, Charlotte, 6'3, 248 pounds. What I love about Alex Highsmith is this was a guy who had over 20 tackles for loss uh, in 2018. But Did not uh, really set the world on fire in terms of his uh, pass rush ability. Only had three sacks in 2019. 15 sacks really improved his game, getting after the quarterback. An ascending prospect. You know, he's an undersized defensive end, so he makes sense um, as a 34 outside linebacker and a guy who I think could potentially end up taking over for Bud Dupree. You know, who was the franchise. You know, ended up getting the franchise tag. uh, A guy who I think could end up starting opposite TJ. TJ Watt one of my favorite players overall in the draft. Round four, you get Anthony McFarland out of Maryland, the 5'8", 208 uh, running back uh, for the Terps. He's going to be that backup for, for James Conner, a nice change of pace back there. Uh, staying in round number four, you get Kevin Dotson out of Louisiana um, was the first guy taken in the draft that was not a uh, was not invited to the combine. Really surprised that he was snubbed at the combine there. Um, you have Stefan Wisniewski and you have David DiCastro already on the roster. Kevin Dotson's going to be that third guard and really provides that physical presence there on the offensive line, really what Pittsburgh's looking for. Uh, Love that pick. Uh, Antoine Brooks Jr., the safety out of Maryland, 5'11", 220, fell to round number six. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Had him come off the board in round round four, um, going to provide some depth. The guy that can play around the box, you know, makes a lot of plays around and behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he'll ultimately back up Terrell Edmonds at the strong safety position. And then in round seven, you get Carlos Davis, the the, the quick sub, You know, he and his brother uh, Khalil ran sub-5, 40s, Uh, 6'2", 3'13", out of Nebraska. What's crazy is is, Nebraska still struggled mightily against the run despite all of these athletes at the defensive line position. Um, I think he'll translate better as a... um, Defensive end in a 34 defense. You, know, you look at Stephon Tuitt. You know who was a defensive tackle there for Notre Dame. He's ultimately a defensive end in this system. Same with Ty- uh, Tyson Alualu. Um, so I, I really like that that pick there at the end of uh, end of the draft there for the Steelers, uh, getting somebody who could potentially provide some depth. Definitely has a, a quick get off. Uh, Seattle. Kind of some surprising picks, and they march to the beat of their own drum. You know, frankly, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, um, a lot of different curious picks. You know, um, you know, throughout the. Throughout the years, and you know, it, it works for them. You know, I think Rashad Penny still is kind of the biggest surprise for Seattle. And ultimately, what they do in round number one, they take Jordan uh, Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Uh, they needed to get another linebacker. You know, ultimately, they've got Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright on the roster. And uh, when you look at Jordan Brooks, you know, I think he reminded you a lot of Bobby Wagner with his play. Um, you know, v- definitely a guy who's who's tremendously athletic. A guy who can play sideline to sideline, tremendous range. 108 tackles this past season, 20 tackles for loss, uh, a volume tackler. But a guy who, like I said, you know, ha- you know, plays um, has has tremendous uh tremendous instincts and uh, plays pretty fast. Um, you know, and to me, uh, just a guy that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, ran a four five four forty at six foot two hundred and forty pounds. Um, just surprising that he came off the board in round one, 27 overall. Uh, in round two, you get Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee, 6'4, 267, a pass rusher there at Tennessee. You know, an explosive guy that can come off the edge, um, you know, can bend a little bit. You know, to me, uh, he's more of a uh, an outside linebacker in a 34 defense so I think really what he's going to be doing is he's kind of going to be that backup to, to Bruce Irvin as, as the the Leo in uh, in that defense there that's going to be run by, by Ken Norton jr so that's that's ultimately where I see him playing. Um, round 3 they get the physical Damian Lewis, uh 62 327 the guard out of LSU. This guy is a mauler. He's going to want to beat you up. Um I think you got uh, you know, Damian Lewis, really a right guard. Um, I'd love to see Phil Haynes at one guard position and Damian Lewis at the other uh, guard position, two big, physical, strong, powerful players at the point of attack. Um you know, that would really be a lot of fun to watch. Um, round four, you get Colby Parkinson, the uh, the tight end out of Stanford six seven, two fifty two. um, you know, Stanford tight ends, you know, they, they do a tremendous job catching passes. What's interesting about this though, is you already had Greg Olson, you have Will Disley on the roster, Luke Wilson, Jacob Hollister, and then you draft Colby Parkinson. And then you also draft Steven Sullivan. So if I'm, you know Disley and, and Wilson and Hollister, really Wilson and Hollister, I thought they just signed Jacob Hollister. Um, you know it's kind of curious you know with with the the selections here. You, you draft Sullivan in round seven as well. you know how many tight ends are they really going to carry into the 2020 season? Uh, round four, they take DJ Dallas out of my uh, Miami 511. Uh, I'm sorry 510 217. to me, he was just a guy at the running back position and and you already have uh, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, I like Travis Homer coming out of Miami much more than the DJ Dallas. So I thought that was a curious pick, especially coming off the board in, uh, in round number four. I thought that was way too high of a pick for, for him. Uh, Alton Robinson, good value round number five, six, three out of Syracuse guy, double digit sack guy in 2018, you know, everything dropped off in, in uh, 2019, And uh, you really want to hope that he gets back to that 2018 form. Uh, But a guy, you know, look, he's strong. He can hold the point of attack in the the running game. And, uh, you know, he's going to be someone who's going to be battling uh, LJ Collier there for playing time at the defensive end position. Uh, Round six, you get Freddie Swain, another receiver out of Florida, six foot 197, a guy who, you know, he makes some splash plays there. But, um, you know, I I don't really, you know, I I think – you know, Seattle is a is a franchise that gets a lot out of player you know you look at a, a guy like David Moore, um, you know John Ursua, guys who were kind of unassuming um, you know coming into the league and ultimately they got a lot more out of these players than you were kind of expecting. so um, maybe they'll we'll see more of the same there with Freddie Swain. Uh, the 49ers. Only had five picks, but uh, I really like what they did in round one. They get the defensive tackle, Javon Kinlaw, out of South Carolina, 6'5", 324 pounds. Replaces uh, DeForest Buckner. It can be that interior presence, putting pressure on the quarterback from within to help out Nick Bosa, D, uh Ford, Eric Armstead, and company. Uh, and then at receiver, at number 25, uh, they, they trade up to get Brandon Ayuk. They trade up six spots to get him, two oh five. Um, you know, tremendously long arms. I mean, freakishly long arms for, for a guy his size. Uh, out of Arizona State, um, dynamic with the ball in his hands, can, you know, get vertical on you, and, and a guy who uh, just knows how to make you miss in the open field. Day three... You know, they skipped day two altogether. No picks in round number four. In round five, they get Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia 6'6, 306. To me, this guy is ultimately gonna end up being a guard. Um, I thought that he struggled quite a bit with uh, with the quickness at the senior bowl, especially. I thought, you know, his game film looked a lot better than what you saw at the senior bowl. Um, you know, which was concerning for me. Um, and then, you know, frankly, the 49ers, the best offseason acquisition was Trent Williams trading for him. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, ultimately is taking over for, for Joe Staley. So, you know, you get the left tackle position locked up, you know, you, you need to address that right guard position. You have Tom Compton in there right now, um, going to ultimately man that right guard position. I think Colton McKivitt's could potentially challenge for that right guard position when it's all said and done. Um, you get Charlie Warner, the tight end out of Georgia, six five two forty four. Um, you know, this was a guy who wasn't much of a, of an option in the passing game. Uh, better than average athlete. I think this is a guy who could probably end up playing more of an H-back type role. And then, uh, you know, Jawan Jennings, taken in round number seven, uh, 6'3, 215. What I like about Jawan Jennings is he's big, he's physical, reminds me a lot of Jalen Hurd, um, and he's just a different receiver. He's not, you know, Kendrick Bourne, he's not uh, Dante Pettis and, and Richie James. You know, those three guys kind of felt like the same receiver. I think one of those guys will probably end up, you know, leaving the roster. Uh, when it's all said and done, Juwan Jennings is gonna have to battle, you know, to earn a roster spot with this group. Um, and could potentially end up on on the practice squad. But I really like his skill set. If he can stay healthy, he's somebody who I think can end up, you know, making an impact there for the 49ers at some point. Uh, Tampa Bay. Somehow, someway, Tristan Wirfs falls to them. They were able to trade up to number 13 and, and end up getting him. You know, 6'5, 320 out of Iowa, you know, the freakish athleticism, ran a 4'8, 5'40, you know, and then the 36 inch vertical leap and the 10 foot, 1 inch broad jump were offensive line records at the combine. How he falls to them, they need to put, uh, to protect Tom Brady and, uh, you know, the, DeMar, DeMar Dotson. No longer an option there at right tackle. Tristan Wirfs falls into their lap. They get Antoine Winfield, the safety out of Minnesota, um, one of my favorite players, my number one overall safety, um, and, and a guy who just has has tremendous ball skills. He's a ball hawk. You know, seven interceptions the last season. Um, you know, and you look at Mike Edwards, uh, Justin Evans. I, I think Antoine Winfield can end up being a starter day one. I think he'll ultimately be an upgrade over Mike Mike Edwards at the safety position. Uh, you need a running back. Um, as a weapon there for Tom Brady. You end up getting Keyshawn Vaughn in round number three. thought that might have been a little bit high for him, but 5'10", 214 pounds, a guy who can be explosive, can also be a receiver in the passing game. He'll battle Rojo, uh, Ronald Jones II, for uh, playing time. Um, round five, you get your receiver, Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. You get an, add another wideout to, to the group for Tom Brady. Uh, you already have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, a couple of Pro Bowl-level uh, wideouts. After that, you need to add some additional weapons. Tyler Johnson, for me, a guy who always got open, it seemed like on slants. Um, you know, the athleticism, you know, a lot of people question that, but this was a guy, look, he was tremendously productive there at Minnesota. He could end up being a, a better value when it's all said and done. Uh, you get Khalil Davis in round six, a defensive tackle, six one three zero eight, 308. Out um, of Nebraska, I mentioned him. He ended up running the fastest 40 time of any defensive tackle. Um, in history um, which is crazy ran a 47540 I mean that's just blazing for a guy his size um, and he could put, you know, potentially be that uh you know be that nose back up to Vita Vea could potentially also kick outside and be a a three four um you know, be a five technique much like his brother Carlos let's see chappelle Russell battled some injuries there at Temple his first couple of years last two years was more of a you know, was was a full-time starter, started every game there for the Owls, 6'2", 236. Um, he'll provide some depth there um, along the uh, inside linebacker position. And then uh, getting Raymond Calais uh, out of Louis, uh, Louisiana, 5'8", 188 pounds in round seven, a, a more of a speed speedster, more of that change of pace back. He's, he's kind of different than, uh, than Vaughn and Rojo. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Tennessee, you know, draft day—the first day of the draft—holy cow, Mike Vrabel, man, you know, everything that was going. There was a lot that was going on behind him on the first day of the draft. I thought uh, he was the MVP of uh, of the the, the coaches uh, when it was all said and done there. Uh, but you look at, at round one, and they needed an offensive tackle. They needed to replace Jack Conklin. They take Isaiah Wilson, six seven, three fifty, out of Georgia. I thought that was a little high for Him at that point, I thought it was a little bit of a reach, but they needed to get a tackle, they weren't going to wait until round two, so you know they, they addressed their need there. Maybe it was a little bit of a reach, but I definitely like that. Round two, they end up getting Christian Fulton with the 29th pick in round number two, six foot, 197 pounds. Um, you know, had the off field issues, was initially suspended two years for trying to fault, you it know, was falsifying a, a drug test for PEDs, ultimately got his 2018 season back. Um, you know, but you're definitely a playmaker and could, you know, even with Greedy Williams in 2018 opposite him, you know, he didn't see the ball thrown his way very much at all. And a guy who I think if he can keep his, 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 everything straight there um, you know, I think you can ultimately see him, teaming up with Dory Jackson, giving them some pretty decent corners there. Um, in round three, they get Darrington Evans out of Appalachian state, 5'10, two Oh three ran a pretty quick, you know, four, um at the combine. And he's been one of those guys that I've been saying for a long time. I wanted to see, you know, wanted to make sure that he put on a performance at the combine so that he wasn't a running back that would fall through the cracks or, you know, someone would overlook, um, you know, the junior, uh, back-to-back thousand-yard rushing seasons, over 1,400 yards as a junior. 21, I'm sorry, 18 touchdowns, 21 receptions as well. Um, and a guy who, you know, returned uh, three kickoffs for touchdown in his career um, at Appalachian State. Definitely love the pick. Um, he'll be that complimentary back, that speedster to, to compliment um, Derrick Henry, uh, Larell Merchantson. Uh, Murchison in round number five, 6'3", 297 out of NC State, a guy who can put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. I think he can bend coming off the edge. Um, you know, has pretty good pad level. Um, you know, if you watch him at the combine, you know, you're able to see see him. You know, sink his hips and be able to turn the corner pretty well. Um, I, I think he'll be one of those role players that can fill in and be a backup there for uh, Jeffrey Simmons and, and Jack Crawford up front. Um, and then let's see Cole McDonald. I had him actually slated here to come off the board to the the, the, the Tennessee Titans um, in round seven. Uh, 6'3", 215, threw for a ton of yards, has this real long delivery that he's going to have to work on. But you know you have Ryan Tannehill on the roster and Logan Woodside. You need, needed another quarterback. This made a whole lot of sense for me. Chris Jackson out of Marshall, 5'10", 193 pounds of safety. He wasn't invited to the combine um, and a guy that people weren't really talking about. But if you watch Marshall play um, you know any amount of football, um, in in 2019, and really over the last four years, this was a guy who just always seemed to make plays there for the Thundering Herd. 45 pass breakups in his career, seven interceptions as well. Um, a guy who just has a nose for the football. I love this pick, you know. And he was a guy that was still sitting around out there on the board in round number seven. And I look at him; he's a guy who can play corner, he can play safety, he can play both positions. And frankly. You know, if you have a Dory Jackson and you have Christian Fulton and then Malcolm Butler can be the guy that's coming, uh, you know, be your slot corner, I think Chris Jackson can end up being that next guy on the roster. You did sign uh, Ty Ty Smith. You signed uh, Chris Milton. You You only had four or five corners on the roster coming into the draft. And so I really love this pick, and I hope that he ends up you know, sticking on the roster because I think Chris uh, Jackson can offer a lot for an NFL franchise. Which finally brings us to the Washington Redskins. And with the Redskins, you get Chase Young, you get the you know, the the game record there at the position, 16 and a half sacks this past season, 6'5, 264. Team him up with, with Montez Sweat. Then you have Ryan Kerrigan as well in the last year of his deal. You're gonna have some pass rushers, you know, and, and if I'm uh, you know Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz um and Daniel Jones, I'm I'm worried about having to face these guys multiple times in, in a season. Uh, Antonio Gibson, taken in round number three, he gives you a versatile option. He can be a running back, he can be a receiver, did a little bit of everything there uh, for the Memphis Tigers. And uh, you know when you've got Trey McLaurin and, and Kelvin Harmon and, and Trey Quinn, you know I, I think this is a guy, I, again, you know you have Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson at the running back position. Put him where you want, and he can offer some of that versatility um, you know, in round four, you get Sadiq Charles, 6'4, 321 out of LSU. You knew you were going to ultimately be seeing, um, you know, Trent Williams leave. So you, you have Corn- uh, Cornelius Lucas potentially playing that left tackle position. You have Morgan Moses, who's going to be that right tackle for sure. Uh, I think Sadiq Charles can challenge for that starting left tackle position early on in his career. Um, let's see. Antonio Gandy Golden, falls around four, uh, tremendous athlete, 6'4, 223 pounds out of Liberty. Um, I love this pick. I figured, you know, you look at Washington, they need a big-bodied wideout. Um, you know, you have a lot of these other guys, you know, that I mentioned: Quinn, uh, Harmon, McLaurin. Um, you know, you didn't have that big physical presence. Anthony golden Golden's going to absolutely be that guy. A.G.G. A back-to-back thousand-yard seasons there for for the Flames. I love the pick. He's one of those guys to me that I think could end up being one of the steals of the draft. Um, you know, Keith Ishmael out of San Diego State, 309 at the pivot. Um, going to back up uh, Chase Rollier. They also have uh, Ross Piercebacher on the roster, um, so he's providing depth up front. Um, you Kalik know, Hudson out of Michigan, 5'11", 224, taking round number five. I thought that was a little high for him because he's kind of that tweener safety uh, linebacker, um, but he's going to be that guy that's going to challenge Cole Holcomb um, on that, uh, at the linebacker position, so that'll be uh, an interesting battle. Um Cameron Curl, the safety out of Arkansas, six one two oh six, taken at the top of round number seven. He'll provide some depth at the at the safety position. Can also play corner as well. You have Landon Collins. You have Sean Davis at the safety position. Jeremy Reeves, Chaser, uh Everett. So you're going to be seeing uh, you know. Some serious competition there in the secondary, and then their last pick in round seven, James uh, Smith Williams at NC State, six four two sixty five. Um, not a whole lot of production out on the field, but if you you know tuned in, watched him at the combine, you know you saw a guy who had tremendous athleticism, ran a four six forty, um, you know put up 225, 28 times. So he's also has some strength to him as well. He's going to be one of those role players, you know, a guy who could potentially challenge. Um, for a roster spot, but there's so many talented uh, rushers there on the Washington defense now. Um, As long as they can stay healthy, this guy's going to have a hard time making the roster, could potentially end up being a practice squad guy. So those are all of the picks. And I know that we've, we've taken up quite a bit of time to go through all of it, but really quickly before we go ahead and call it a podcast and wrap things up, I wanted to take a look at the undrafted free agents and really kind of go position by position and see who was still out there. Um, I, I expected Anthony Gordon to come off the board. Um, I actually had him coming off the board in round four, you know, and, and look, Mike Leach guys, you know, you, you, you want to see that, you know, you, you know, you look at Gardner Minshew, what he was able to do. Um, Anthony Gordon I think he'll end up making the roster there as a backup there for Seattle Steven Montez very inconsistent you know he ended up getting signed by uh, by Washington I think that's actually not a bad situation for him you have Dwayne Haskins Kyle Allen he could be potentially be that number three quarterback there Um, Bryce Perkins ends up getting picked up by the Rams Um, but really you know to be expected there at the at the quarterback position, he ended up seeing Tyler Huntley from Utah, uh, picked up by the Ravens. You know another guy who has that athleticism a la uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, the running backs, you know, James Robinson at Illinois State, powerful back, you know, guy over 1,900 yards at the FCS level. The Jacksonville Jaguars pick him up. I love that that pick there. You know, the uncertainty surrounding Leonard Fournette. This is a guy not all that explosive, but a guy who I think can end up being a a, a powerful runner. Um, Solvon Ahmed going to the 49ers. You lost Matt Breda. Ahmed is going to give you some um, you know, a receiving option out of the backfield. Uh, Michael Warren for the Eagles. Uh, Michael Warren, back-to-back thousand-yard rusher for the, the Bearcats out of Cincinnati. I really like Michael Warren, and I'm surprised you didn't get drafted. You have Mike. Um, you know, Miles Sanders there, then there's Corey Clement, um, Elijah Holyfield, Boston Scott. There's a lot of running backs there, but I think he's somebody who could hold his own and potentially get a roster spot. Michael Hasty going to the 49ers as well. Um, you know, from, from Baylor, he's somebody who I think could potentially end up earning a roster spot. Um, so those are some of the guys that, uh, to keep an eye out for, uh, Xavier Jones, nice receiving option. Uh the Rams already have three receivers. You know, he could potentially if they end up deciding to carry four uh four receivers, that's another guy to keep or I'm sorry, running backs that guy to keep an eye on. And then Darius Bradwell out of Tulane, big powerful runner there for the Green Wave. He's going to the Chargers. And uh you know, I think adding another running back there, I like that pick. Uh that pickup. Receivers, Kalijah Lipscomb, model of consistency, more of a possession guy. Going to the Chiefs, um, I think he has a chance to make the roster. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Omar Bayless out of Arkansas State. He's going to the Panthers. Um, you know, you look at, at you know, and the depth of this receiver class. You know, Courtney Davis out of Texas A&M, uh, Lawrence Cager. Um, from Georgia, they're going to the Vikings and Jets, respectively. Uh, Tristan Jackson going to the Rams. These are guys who have a chance to make the roster when it's all said and done. Um, you know, Aaron Fuller from Washington staying local, going to Seattle. Uh, another kid who has a chance to end up making the roster. Jawan Johnson going to the Saints. He's a guy to keep an eye on who could potentially bulk up and play the tight end position. Um, you know, Jeff Thomas. You know a speedster, uh, going to the Patriots, he just feels for whatever reason like a Patriot. Uh, to me, uh, Jesus Dubois of Virginia wasn't drafted, a guy who I, you know, hasn't been picked up by anyone yet. I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't happened just yet. Uh, tight ends Hunter Bryant, um, he's only 6'2, looks like a buffed up wide receiver, um, and uh, you know, ran a, in, in the four sevens. Was kind of surprised that he ran as as slow as he did. And, you know, for a guy his size, you know, you're expecting him to run a much quicker time. But he was really the big receiving option for Jacob Eason. There was a leading receiver, and uh, he's going to the Lions. Um, and it could potentially end up being that that number three tight end after T.J. Hawkinson and uh, Jesse James there. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, going to the Washington Redskins. Um, you know, look, you know, there's no Vernon Davis there in Washington anymore. Um, you know, the, you've got Jeremy Sprinkle and Richard Rogers. You don't really, you know, you have Hale Hinches as well. A lot of guys who aren't really um, receiving options. So I think Thaddeus Moss makes the roster there. Um, Atlanta, you lose Austin Hooper. Uh, you bring in uh, Hayden Hurst. You still could potentially get another tight end option there with Jared Pinkney. I think Charlie Tuggle payout could end up playing the fullback position there in Dallas. Definitely not going to play tight end. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's loaded at that position. Um, let's see. I like Giovanni Ricci as a potential fullback option there for Car- uh, for the Carolina Panthers coming out of West uh, Western Michigan. Uh, so those are kind of the tight ends to keep an eye out for. Um, moving on to the tackles, you see her Durant, um, uh, I had him as a potential seventh rounder. He's going to, uh, challenge for a spot there with the chiefs, uh, Trey Adams, the injuries really dropped him out, um, of, of the draft gets picked up by the bills. You know, they need some, some depth at the position. So I like that. And then Terrence Steele from Texas tech also providing some depth there for the Cowboys, um, outside of that group, you know, not really too surprised with, uh, Um, with some of the picks there. Kind of surprised... Uh, among the interior linemen that that Darrell Williams from Mississippi State wasn't drafted, but he's going to, uh, to the Chiefs. I really like this pick. That's actually where I had him going in the draft. I had him coming off the board in round number five. Surprised that he didn't end up getting selected, but when you look at this this team, you, know, you have Austin Ryder at center, and Daryl Williams can end up being that backup. He also has some versatility. He can play guard as well. Um, so I thought that was a steal. Uh, Kyle Murphy out of Rhode Island was a tackle there for the Rams. Uh, big Physical dude, um, a guy who's going to play guard, you know, provide some versatility there for the Giants. You wonder if maybe he could play the center position, be that backup for Spencer Pulley. If he can pull that off, he ends up making the roster. Uh, Luke Juriga, another guy to keep an eye on, can potentially back up Jason Kelsey there um, with the Eagles. Uh, Juriga out of uh, Western Michigan. Um, so those are really the guys there on the interior of that line. Looking at the defensive end position. Um, you know, Nick Coe still hasn't been picked up. Bryce Huff hasn't been picked up. Those are two guys I was expecting to get drafted. Um, let's see, Bryce Sturk out of Montana State, a guy who you know, f- you know, played all over the field, and uh, you know, kind of reminded me. You know, we were talking about guys that reminded you of, of Brian Robinson. He was another guy to me that reminded me a little bit of Brian Robinson. Um, you know, but another FCS guy, Rondell Carter out of James uh, Madison, a guy who has big personality. And uh, I think he's somebody who could potentially, you know, be a, if nothing else, end up being a, a practice squad guy for for somebody. You know, he was signed by Dallas. Uh, Oluwole Batiku um, for the Giants. You know, I, I think he's another guy who could potentially make the roster. Uh, a guy who ended up with nine sacks for the Fighting eye. Um you know, and when you lose the the sack you know, production there from uh, from Marcus Golden, you need to find some guys that can put pressure on the quarterback. They ended up bringing Kyle Kyle Fackler, or I'm sorry, Kyler Fackrell. You have Oshane Ziminis on the on the roster. You drafted uh, Carter Coughlin. I think Batiku has a chance to end up making that roster. They've got Dominique Ross on the roster as well. He's a guy that I'm a big fan of. Um so he's somebody to keep an eye out for for the, the Giants as well. And then Big Joe Gas, Joey Gazziano out of uh, Northwestern, going to the Chargers. Um, you know, I, I think you know, Gaziano, if I'm if I'm the the Packers, if Gaziano doesn't stick with the Chargers, that's a guy that I end up going after if I'm them. Uh let's see, who else do we have here? Um, Rayquan Williams at defensive tackle going to the Eagles. He was somebody kind of a high cut defensive tackle. You know, if he can get that pad level lower though, he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Um, let's see. Joe Bocce. Uh, Michigan State wasn't drafted. Uh, David Woodward out of Utah, another surprise that, that he wasn't drafted there. Uh, Dante Olson going to the Eagles uh, from Montana. This is a guy who was very productive there um, for the Grizzlies. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye out for. And then you have Miles Dorn, a guy that I loved out of North Carolina, a guy who actually had being drafted in round number six, going to the Vikings, potentially offering up some um, some depth there at the position. Um, so I like that. Uh, let's see. And then the corners. Uh, Javaris Davis from Auburn going to the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs obviously need that cornerback play. AJ Green uh, from Oklahoma State. You know, surprisingly, he wasn't drafted, but I think he can end up making a roster. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson giving the Jets some some length there on the outside. Um, and then one final guy, Isang Bassi, goes to the Broncos. The Broncos need to replace. Um, you know Chris Chris Harris, and uh, you know Bassie's not going to be a guy that's really going to be lining up on the outside. I think he'll be more of a, a slot guy, and he's somebody who I think can end up sticking on the roster. Has tremendous ball skills. Another guy who racked up a ton of tackles. Um, you know I think he'll end up battling Bryce, um, Bryce Callahan for that that nickel spot. Um, so I definitely like that that pickup there. Um, So that's really, you know, those are the guys. The only other guy to really speak of, Rodrigo Blankenship going to the Colts, Um, you know, and and he's a guy, everyone remembers the glasses, you know, really was one of the kickers that everyone was kind of expecting to get drafted, but uh, he's somebody who's going to come onto the roster, challenge chase McLaughlin for that kicking spot. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, as the the starting kicker there for the Colts when it's all said and done. And I mentioned long snappers, not only Blake Ferguson, but Steve Wordle, Um, Wordle going to to the Detroit lions, you know, and there were two, you know, I mentioned before that there were two long snappers who I thought had the potential to be drafted. One did, one did not, But uh, this is somebody who ultimately you've got Dom Muehlbach who's been that staple there for the Lions for so long. Steve Wordle can end up being that guy that takes over for him when he ends up calling in a career. So those are just a quick look at some of the undrafted free agents that I was keeping an eye on and guys that I was kind of expecting to get drafted ultimately ended up falling. So I know we've covered two hours of uh, draft post-draft coverage, but I really wanted to – get through every single player, every single pick, take a look at what it really meant for the rosters and uh you know, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast to this point. I've got one final podcast for the 2020 season. And really what we're talking about here is it's really kind of a look ahead to the 2021 NFL draft. You can never you know look ahead too, you know, too early. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and start talking about some of the players that will start talking about again in August and September. Hopefully we'll have a college football season that starts in August and September and we'll be able to start those podcasts. Then hopefully with COVID-19 and everything, we'll be able to start um, having some semblance of normalcy. You know, the players, you know, we may not have, um, you know, games in front of uh, a ton of fans, but what you'll end up seeing, at least hopefully we'll have a season and these guys will really be able to showcase their talents um, because otherwise it's really going to impact that 2021 draft. Um, but I want to give you guys some names, you know, to think about guys that aren't named, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields at the quarterback position, uh, or Travis Etienne at the running back position, um, you know, or uh, Devontae Smith and um, Jalen Waddell at the receiver position. And, you know, you can kind of go on and on with, with a lot of the players, obviously Penae Sewell, the offensive tackle who I think can end up be, you know, challenging uh, Trevor Lawrence to be the number one overall pick. If there's a team that's there sitting there number one overall and they don't need a quarterback, they're probably going to take Panay Sewell um, because he's one of the more gifted offensive linemen that we've seen um, in, in the last, uh, at least in the last few drafts, um, tremendous athlete and, uh, You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the number one overall pick when it's all said and done. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick look through um, you know some of the picks, some of the guy, I'm sorry, some of the guys to be on the lookout for. um, They'll probably be hearing their names called um, next year. During the 2021 draft, um, which is already set you know, for end of April through uh, May 1st. So you know, we've got a draft there. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens. Is it going to be live? Is it going to be in Cleveland? Is it going to be virtual? You know, hopefully, we'll have a draft in Cleveland. Hopefully, you know, we'll have it in front of a live audience. Um, but we'll have to see how things go. So stay tuned for one final podcast. Episode 41 will be the last podcast of the 2020 podcast series. But for, for now, we'll go ahead and sign off. We'll be back at it again here in a couple of days. And for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast, post-draft edition. I've been your host, Greg shoots. Take care, everyone. I am out of here.